This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's Tuesday, the 19th of May. You well? I'm only asking because it's just a generally polite thing that we do. Wayne and Colleen have saved up to buy a caravan. Don't make me laugh. She's finally found her level. As king and queen of the chavs, they're in the right place. Uh, scraping the big brother barrel. The pathetic wastes of space that, my God, yesterday, I mean, was it was car crash television. Give them a couple of drinks and they're the most pathetic bunch of people you've ever seen. Worst of all, they're deluded. We found a woman in the country who has no idea who David Cameron is and she tweeted about it. I mean, she looked thick to start with. Now she's made herself out to be the most brainless person since Joey Essex walked into the television. And uh, 43 quid gets you papers to make you a nurse. Amazing, really, isn't it? I had no idea, I mean, I'd, I'd, until I started using insulin, that, in fact, if you're a non-diabetic, it's a killer. For me, it's a lifesaver, but for anybody else, it's a killer. Consequently, this uh, this Filipino nurse was able to inject people and put the insulin into some of their saline bags and things like that, and, of course, it it, uh, it killed. So, in other words, if you're not... I don't can't quite understand it. I'm, I'm walking around with a loaded gun. In fact, I've got three loaded guns on me this morning, which which technically, if sort of I I was mindful of it, I could just clip a needle onto it, go up behind somebody and sort of push the needle and then just inject them with insulin. I mean, I find it quite frightening that it's it's sort of handed over. And especially as sort of people use it for uh, for disgraceful things. Thomas Cook have given that money to charity. I wasn't really sure what else they were going to do. It's a million and a half. And I asked myself the question yesterday... I often have a, a question-answering session, because I wasn't too sure. I thought, now, wait a minute, should they have given the money to the parents? And I thought, no, what would that solve? That doesn't solve. They've already got £350,000 times two, so £700,000 for the death of children. And I said the other day, I don't know how on earth you put a price on, on losing a child. I really, I've got no idea how you can equate £700,000, whereas Thomas Cook get £3.5 so they've given £1.5 I mean, to be honest with you, they should have given the whole lot to a children's charity or, or to a hospice or something, just to something. One and a half million is, is almost like taking the Michael, really. Uh, Prince Harry, again, they're really pushing him out there. You know why they're doing this damage limitation? They've never worked so hard in, uh, in Charles's office, I should imagine, as trying to get him to do things which make him, you know, Prince Harry and, you know, because you're now not to go anywhere near Catherine and William. You're not to go anywhere near them. They don't want to be in the public limelight. When the moment arrives, then they will. But at the moment, you've got to suffer with Harry. So this time round, they stick Harry, big butch soldier, down at the Chelsea Flower Show. I mean, I wasn't really sure whether to send a sympathy card to him or uh, or sort of say, you know, so be going out to Mahiki anytime soon because he's going to fall off the wagon. You just know, sure as God made little apples. Uh, scraping the big brother barrel. I did watch it yesterday. God. Dear me, I have to get round to it later because it was just—it was all a bit too traumatic. Why is it people in there have got only half a brain cell, and quite clearly they've got some sort of issues, you know, issues with themselves? These people shouldn't be allowed near a television. These should have been checked mentally. This one called Aaron, who—I mean, I don't know what you could say about him, but I mean, he—he he now claims he's a personal shopper and he dresses the likes of Pixie Lot and Joey Essex. He can't even dress himself. And yesterday we had the whole sobbing drama, you know, the whole pathetic 
waste of space. The whole me, 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 blooming me. It was driving me mad. I, I flipped on by mistake, actually, and only kept with it. Because I thought, he, he looks like he's about to throw himself off the top of a building. Why he was allowed in there in the first place, he's, he's quite clearly not, not right. He's quite clear. He started sobbing uncontrollably, mainly because he wasn't getting his own way. And, uh, and trying to explain how he come to London and I did it all by myself. I did everything. And I did modelling and I wasn't really a model. And I'm thinking, you pathetic waste of space. Get off my television. I don't want to watch this. It, it wasn't even car crash television. It was just a pathetically stupid person who quite clearly didn't have any discernible talent and quite clearly couldn't even look after themselves. You know, he sort of, he wanted this sort of, at one point he's in the bed. <laughs> Two people, there's, there's a, a girl in there who's a, a lesbian, but of course there always is. And then there's a straight girl and they all sort of like help each other out. Or so. They're so needy, these people. Seriously, I mean, you know, the social workers could have a field day with them. Not that I'd trust social workers with anybody, but, but the way you were watching them. And then, of course, he suddenly realised he wasn't getting any attention at all. He's in bed. He's in bed. And all of a sudden, we get... <laughs> like Seriously, I thought, are you, are you mad? You're quite mad. And the answer is, of course he is. That's why he's on there, because he thinks that this is his moment. He thinks this is his moment to sort of try and tell everybody what a marvellous person he is. Whereas, frankly, he was such a drip. You could have wrung him out like a sponge. He was awful. A pathetic person. And that's what most of them are. You've got the big fat bloke who works in McDonald's. I've seen him before somewhere. I wish I could remember where. I wish I could remember where. I've definitely seen him. I remember thinking there's something slightly odd about him. Where the dickens have I seen him before? It, because they've all been on other things. And that's it, you know, the two brainless bimbos from Manchester laughingly call themselves socialites. As I say, it's the first time I've ever heard it uh, called that. Uh, then there was the goat's meat. We found another one of those places where they, uh, you know, we've, we've had it before with the horse meat. Now goat's meat, passed off as lamb. I call them crooks. Crooks, these people. They're passing off cheap goat's meat as very expensive lamb. Cheryl Baker <clears throat> has talked about her secret love. And uh, Mr. Burko returns as the speaker. Uh, when you consider that only a matter of a month ago there was a concerted effort to get him out, now I think they're all feeling a bit sorry for poor old Burko. They're feeling a bit sorry for him because the wife's a complete mess, you know, and she's screwed up her own life as well as uh, his. And, uh, and now she's all by her little lonesome. Ha, 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 ha. Kind of goes round, comes round. But... Uh, he was quite, I was expecting him to make some sort of comment, like, you know, I stand before you a single man, in which case he would have got a huge round of applause, because I don't think anybody liked her in the House of Commons. She never liked them. They never liked her. She was, all, again, she's another one of these attention seekers, another one of these me, me, me kind of people. And it's, it's all a bit tedious and a bit embarrassing. You know, we're always told, stand up for yourself. If you like yourself, you'll get on better. But not to the point of with Aaron on Big Brother. And then a couple of the other ones who, th who seriously think that they should be on the celebrity version. Whereas, in fact, most of them have done little shows, but in fact, they haven't actually achieved anything in life. They've achieved zero. They are failures. Aaron is a failure. Aaron, in his private life, is such a mess, you'd have him put out to pasture. You wouldn't even waste your time even talking to him. Because he's not interested in anybody else. He's only interested in himself. He's a bit like Chucka Amuna. Chucka Amuna, who would lick himself to death if he could. He's a bit creepy. I can't see. Honestly, when you look at the people who are putting themselves up for London mayor, well, I'm voting because I'm in London. I'm a Londoner. Not born and bred, but I'm a Londoner. And uh, who was the other one? Ivan Massow. The story's coming out on that one, I'm telling you. Ivan Massow. This is the Ivan Massow, the dyslexic. He used to appear on the television some years ago. He's gay. 
Don't have a problem with him being gay. But uh, he's also, he's been an alcoholic. And, uh, and there'll be another story coming out about him. Bet your bottom dollar. Bet your bottom dollar. And the only reason I know this is because it was well documented some years ago. So you've got him and Chuck Amuna. With Diane Abbott putting her hat in the ring for London Mayor, or was she going for, for leadership of the Labour Party? Either way, God, blimey, these people just circulate like sharks, don't they? Wait a minute, will there be a job here somewhere, job here somewhere? Pantomime. That's as good as it gets. Uh, a dramatic twist in Amy Winehouse's love life, um, which, is, which is interesting, not that I really care, and not that she would care anymore because she's not with us. So, because it's this is all to get publicity for the film, I think, that is out about her life. I wouldn't be interested in seeing it. I don't know why. I was never interested in Amy Winehouse first time round, let alone second time round. As far as I'm concerned, if somebody drinks themselves to death and does all sorts of strange substances, that's their business. Nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. The advice is out there. You know, the experts are out there saying, don't do this, don't do that. And if they continue to do it and they die, more fool them. More fool them. I have very little sympathy, I'm afraid, because they, they, they generate... I mean, we've seen Amy Winehouse when she was at her worst, stumbling around on stage. Why would that be clever? Why would that be clever? Nothing clever about that, is it? Introduced to heroin. God, blimey. Honestly, there's such a thing as being an intelligent person, and there's such a thing as being a complete and utter prat. And I think she fits into the latter category. Was it James O'Brien yesterday who said that he's never done it before, but he's, he's seriously considering now not giving any more money to Thomas Cook. He's, not, he's just not going to buy into Thomas Cook because they've handled this so badly. This is the Thomas Cook who claimed three and a half million pounds from this hotel, uh, which presumably must have been an insurance payout. Can't see a hotel having that much money sitting around in the bank. And uh, they get it and then they keep it. And then all these years later, we haven't quite fathomed out why it's all these years later, uh, the, uh, the, the parents of the children get £350,000 for the life of each child, which is, I mean, how do you put a price on it? There is no price, is there? We're going to take one of your children. How much do you think it's worth? Apparently in that court, £350,000 per child. And yet for Thomas Cook, I don't know why they would get any money. Why would they get three and a half million? What's the point of that? And so having had all this bad publicity heaped on them because they've acted inappropriately, they've been badly advised, they've done nothing which has, which has, you know, made them rise in the estimation of the British public and the people who book them. If anything, I should imagine people are cancelling left, right and centre. I wouldn't be going on a Thomas Cook holiday anytime soon, thank you. They don't do the backup, they don't do the checking, and they certainly treated this couple so badly that uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if the entire business collapses. Seriously, it's the worst thing that they ever could have done. Somebody somewhere made a big, ghastly mistake. Talking of making a big mistake, we found a postman. This one claimed, oh, I can't walk, I can only do this and only do that. What he did, he managed to get himself invalided out of the post office and got a payout. And then thought, wait a minute, this is worth fiddling, isn't it? And so he went for the whole thing. I can't walk. In fact, when he went for his examination, he said, I, I can't even take my own clothes. You'll have to help me take my clothes off. He was going for a few hundred thousand pounds. The doctor who examined him said, there's nothing the matter with him. Nothing. And on, I think the, uh, I think it might have been on the LBC website yesterday. There's, there's video footage of him loading stuff out the car, walking down the street. He can walk perfectly well because he's bent. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll name and shame this morning. because He's obviously got family. They must be delighted. And, um, and the widow... Banned from laying flowers at her husband's grave. It's, it's, it's not as bad as you think it is. There are rules to do with putting flowers on graves. Some cemeteries like them. Some cemeteries don't like them. We've had before when they don't like toys on children's graves because I think it spoils the look of the cemetery and it's upsetting for other people. Uh, this story is, 
it's 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 the size of the grave, which I'll come round to in a moment. Oh, and Nigella Lawson is going to read the results in Eurovision for England. That's the best gig she can get at the moment, reading the Eurovision results. Quarter past four. Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning. We'll find out how London could be a centre for organised crime. And given the revelations about the Stepping Hill murderer's possible fake qualifications, why can't we go get more British people to work as nurses? Sky's chief political correspondent John Craig joins Nick to do the papers. That's Nick this morning from seven after the morning news with Aziz. She's going to be in the uh, in the studio. Uh, another one here. Oh, apparently the big fat bloke in Big Brother was on Deal or No Deal. I knew I'd seen him before. Couldn't remember where it was. He was pretty rubbish on that, wasn't he, as well? Pretty rubbish on that. I knew I'd seen him. And he's supposed to work for McDonald's, isn't he? Looks like he's eating half a shop by himself. Interesting enough, he can obviously get loads of time off because when you book yourself into Big Brother, that's weeks, isn't it? That can be a few weeks. Interesting. Chris says, uh, Big Brother is, is what it's always been, a freak show. I feel guilty. Oh, it is total freaks. Total freaks. Most of these people have got some sort of emotional issue, generally with themselves. You know, why would you go on there and make a fool of yourself? I mean, Aaron, I mean, frankly, they should have tipped him out immediately. They should have spotted the warning signs. It's a waste of space. Totally. We shouldn't be, uh, we shouldn't be laughing at him. He should be in, he should be in rehab. He, he only deserves to be in rehab. He, he doesn't deserve to be anything else. He, does, he just really does not deserve to be anywhere at all, least of all on the television. Don't they have these people vetted by psychiatrists? Apparently, uh, Gemma Collins is backing Aaron to win Big Brother. Well, there you go. The fat person and the emotional cripple. I think they kind of fit very well together, don't they? If you haven't seen it, of course, you will not understand just how bad he is and what a complete waste of... So it's such a shame they don't have a radio in there. Such a shame. We could sort of maybe we could send them a a nice little you know clip of this program. Uh, Ian says maybe Prince Harry should date Kelly Brook. Um, oh dear, I don't, well, I mean, put it this way, I don't think Kelly Brook could actually have a conversation with anybody unless it was like a mushroom. I don't think she'd be able to hold a conversation with with anybody. So that's why I, I don't think so. And uh, and seven floors above Patisserie Valerie says Jenny, we have pot plants as well. My friend uh, Lou the other day sent me a picture of hers because I went out yesterday. And uh, yours look very nice. Very nice indeed. I quite, I quite like the look of those. That's not very nice. Very nice, Jenny. I like this. Yeah, that, that's the sort of thing I like. Container gardening suits me fine. But I went out yesterday because I decided, as you know, that I mean, the weather's been so awful recently. It's not been the best weather for getting out there and getting your hands dirty and putting all the soil in all the pots again. And I buy new soil every year because the plants use it all up. So I've got to empty two more pots and then it's all sorted out and then it's done. And I went out and I was looking round and I thought, what do I need to buy? What am I going to put in the pots this year? And every year I've, I've got this thing about don't overfill anything because it spreads out and it's constant watering. So let's pick something that's pretty to look at all the time. And I thought variegated geraniums, variegated because of the leaves. And I'll take some pictures later on today and show you. they're absolutely stunning, these things. They weren't cheap. On the other hand, they weren't that expensive that uh, prohibited me from buying them. And so I bought eight, I bought about 16 of these and I bought some verbena and other things. And then I took it home and I thought, I better go get some more because they were so nice, these plants. The variegated leaves were quite, and I thought that'll make a nice splash. And the flowers are not the usual geranium type flower. They're a bit more delicate than that. And um, so I'll, I'll find out exactly what they are because I thought they were beautiful. Absolutely wonderful. So I bought those yesterday and I've left them out to harden off which is what you have to do. You're supposed to harden them off outside. A uh, bit of rain yesterday, well, quite a bit of rain yesterday, so that sort of gave them a good drenching. Today the earth will go in the pots and then they can start establishing themselves. And then hopefully in about a month's time they'll have gone whoosh, completely mad, completely mad. 
Uh, the front page of the uh, paper today, Carey Mulligan, who says, I'm glad I'm getting older. I've got no idea who Carey Mulligan is, but I'm assuming she's one of these sort of people who uh, has been playing young. You get people who play young. Uh, Kim Marsh has spoken for the first time, but of course, don't worry, she'll be boring the pants off everybody with this one. Apparently has split from her fiancé. How old is, is Kim Marsh? She's over 30. In fact, she's pushing 40 and still... Sorry. Still, it's been a tough time for her and very, very upsetting. Very upsetting for her at 38 when she's been through practically the whole of Manchesterford. And she says, we need to have a step back. Have Oh, grow up, for God's sake, woman. Really, I'm so bored. Why do these people discuss their love life? Who gives it? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I mean, apparently it was rumoured problems have been caused by Hollyoaks star, talentless Stephanie Waring, who's had her 30 seconds of fame, with whom Dan has a daughter called Lexi. And so it goes on. And so now, of course, they'll both be biding to get themselves in the Colour Sup magazines or some of the cheap ones which you find on the shelves in the railway station. And that'll be about it. I mean, so she's spoken for the first time. Can you stop her talking? Let's superglue her mouth up. Perhaps it might do us all a favour and then you can finally... You know, we're not interested in these people. Really not. Oh, the good news is... I'm sorry, I mentioned her a moment ago. I'd forgotten there was a story that goes, goes with her. And uh, it's Kelly Brook. She's been thrown a lifeline, or she could be thrown a lifeline, uh, by her US TV bosses after the US uh, sitcom flopped one big happy. Insiders say Kelly still has a deal with Warner Brothers and is being considered for other roles. And I can tell you what they are, because I know. It's pouring tea in the canteen, parking cars and cleaning. And apparently she's she's considering her options on that one. As if Warner Brothers is going to risk her on anything else. Failure. Total failure. Uh, there's a woman here who went to uh, Dubai, to Burj Khalifa. It is the um, the highest building. It's 160 stories. I remember watching them building it. I felt physically ill watching all the people on there. But anyway, uh, a woman leapt to her death from there after being ditched by her wealthy lover. Kind of not going to sort of, you know... <laughs> this doesn't have a happy ending, this one. And so she squeezed for a small gap on the glass observation deck, which was 148 floors, and... Um, and then she jumped out of there. But it's it's really ridiculous because this is a relationship. I mean, again, she, this woman must have some sort of mental issues because you don't. normal people don't do that. If you finish with a relationship, you just go, I can't stand you. You get run over and you walk away from them. This woman, it was on, off, on, off, on, off, on, off. And so she, uh, she, uh, she sort of just decided to jump. And that's it. The trouble is, you know, they're so selfish, these people. They really are. They don't consider anybody else apart from themselves. But uh, there was a similar death in 2011. Uh, her friend says Laura wanted to kill herself. It shouldn't have been possible. Well, where were you when she needed you? You know, she was jilted by a lover. <laughs> so? God, that happens every single day. I can't understand it. These things happen every single day, don't they? Every single day, something will happen. There will be somebody who will sort of do something. Like, you know, Kim Marsh. You know, a 38-year-old woman, supposedly intelligent. You know, split up with her fiancé. You know, let's face it, she's hardly been backwards at coming forward. This woman can take a trip round the aisles and says it's been really tough and upsetting. What's really tough about it, dear? You shacked up with another man. What's tough about that? We're bored with reading about them. God in heaven, I mean, you parade them before us every single time, don't you? Every magazine that comes here, I'll tell you about my love life. Here we are, we're really happy. Oh, go away, for God. It's like anybody who's in Essex, don't ever go with their love life because it's too, too, too dreary. 
Too, too boring. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Do you see the Joey Essex programme? He really is that thick. He's not even playing a game, is it? They're going to put him on Loose Women today. I hope they get him to talk to Colleen. They're the same intellect. So Colleen and Joey Essex together. She'll fawn all over him like she does with most of the male guests. It's a little bit embarrassing, actually, and more than a bit sexist. You know, really, he should turn round to her and just empty beetroot juice all over her. Best thing you can probably do with Colleen. Right? Might sort of double the value of her uh, of her clothes. Ian says, the big brother attention-seeking types wouldn't last five seconds with the wartime generation. A bunch of self-centred nobodies. They're absolutely total non-entities. And I forget who it was the other day. Was it Ian Highland who summed them up quite well? You know, the usual bunch of people who seriously believe that this is their... This is their their thing in life, that they're going to be celebrities. You know, the big fat bloke with the silly little hat on his head that doesn't fit, who's already been on one programme. Obviously, people go, see you on the television, bloke. You know, see you on the television, mate. And I thought it was an eclipse. Self-centred nobodies, I think that. Uh, Colin Berry has been reading the Eurovision results for the last 25 years. Why shouldn't he read it this time round? Why do they change things? You know, somebody with such a mellifluous voice as Colin Berry, and they give it to Nigella Lawson. What's that about? I mean, I don't want times to change. I don't want Nigella Lawson to sort of start doing voiceovers. I don't want to modernise. I want Colin Berry to read it. All right. I'm not asking for the world. It's just it's a simple thing. It's a simple thing. He can read it forever. He can read until he die. Producer and I have a major discussion this morning. I'm now going to withhold your food today. You're not going to get it. And you know what it is, don't you? You do need it because this... This, my dear, is the Ploughman's Pickle Pork Pies from Marks and Spencers. You regret everything? and you humbly apologise? There you go. He loves uh, Colin Berry. And uh, so the pork pies can be yours. There are four of them in a box. Brand new. I had, to, I had a bit of an issue, actually, because I go in there and they're, they're packed, but there's nothing over the top of them. And the bloke who was packing them, who was about 12, just threw them in the bag. And so I moved the thing that he'd thrown on top of them. I said, excuse me. I said, look, these are soft. You just ruined the top of these things. Go and get me others. So he did. Honestly, what a stupid boy. Stupid boy. Anyway, 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 anyway. So Taylor Swift did very well, didn't she? She got loads of awards. Nine, I think it was. Nine. And she's terribly popular. I'll tell you what I went on to. I like, I like sort of, I like starting this, this programme with a bit of a boost. And to get the boost, I generally go to YouTube. And in Australia, they have the Australia's Got Talent, same as Britain's Got Talent. The difference is they actually do have talent over there, whereas our lot are just sort of, you know, straight from the Benefits Office or from Benefits Street, depending on which one you you choose to believe. And they've had some really good ones over there. But check out, I think they're called The Brothers or Three Brothers or something. They obviously live in the middle of nowhere in Australia. Their mum and dad turn up and they look like real Aussies. You know, real, real Aussie farmers. And their boys are brilliant. They're really... They, they bring their own fan club. They're good-looking. They play. They sing well. And their mentor is Danny Minogue. And you know we like Danny Minogue. We like Danny Minogue a lot. We like Danny Minogue more than we like Prince Harry. Because I'm a bit bored with dragging Prince Harry out. Why couldn't William have made it down here? Has he given up working now? Has he given up doing anything? Yes. That's why they're pushing Harry at every opportunity. Harry is man of the people. No, Harry's the drunk who took all his clothes off in Las Vegas. Nothing to do with the army saving him. Nothing to do with that at all. Harry's the one who dressed up as the Nazi. Harry's the one who kicked out at the photographers. Harry's the one who gets drunk on a regular basis. That's the one. Half past four. Eve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, the 19th of May. Poor little Joseph. 
He says, at Steve Allen Show, Kim Marsh will kick your fat. It's another word for bottom if she meets you. And then, without realising the irony of the threatening text, wrote, uh, hashtag hate bullies. You're not the brightest penny in the box, are you? You're not the most brightest penny in the box. Obviously not intelligent at all. But, uh, yes, I mean, I hope she does. I'll kick it back for her. I'll kick hers back, and I think there's a bit more of hers than mine. Uh, another one here. Uh, Hannah thinks that the bloke from Big Brother looks like the fat one from Lauren and Hardy. And then Phil says, wait a minute, Kelly Brook Park in cars. Would you trust her behind the wheel of your car? Absolutely not. <laughs> not with a, without a shadow of a doubt. No chance. No chance at all. Um, what were they talking about today? Um, King David rules as the Queen of Britain's Got Talent. And uh, this is a, a, a sketch programme. It's sort of like the, the spitting image. It's, the, it's called News Olds. And it's quite good, actually. It's quite good. And I just can't get David Walliams at all. I really don't get David Walliams. I can't work out why he insists on playing gay all the time. You know, was that why Laura left? Lara? I mean, but what, why does he play this all the time? I watched him the other day on a programme with had a couple of kids, and he goes in and starts hugging Simon Cowell and doing all this and playing up and mincing around. And you think, what are you doing it for? What are you doing it for? The joke's got, you know, we've seen the joke before. OK, finished. Finished already, please. Thank you. Uh, according to uh, Sunday Night Celebrity Squares, Boris Johnson had his nose broken four times while he was at Eton. The things you learn. And uh, over at ITV2, virtually famous, Joey Essex, I mean, dim, thick, and then there's dim again, revealed he tried to read his autobiography three times, but it was really hard. And uh, Ian Highland said, why don't you give it one more, one, one more try, Joey? And at this time, get somebody to turn it the right way up. Because he can't tell the time, he can't read, and uh, and everybody knows how thick he is. And it's not even a game. It's sort of, it's just a bit sad, really, isn't it? It's a bit sad, but never mind. Bless his heart. It's it's nice to know that thick people do really exist. And we found another really thick one in the papers today. I was sort of, I was going through the papers earlier on, and I, I like to take the time and wander through and find something that will get you going. And uh, and generally speaking, it's a story about somebody. Who's, uh, who's not as intelligent as the rest of the country. And, uh, and this is a woman here. She's called Devon Boone. I mean, she looks about 70, but apparently she's 21. I mean, here we go. Let's have more pretend stupid people. She's a mum, apparently, although she's probably got no idea how she ever became pregnant. And she was asking her Facebook friends who David Cameron is and calling Barack Obama a terrorist. She was a bit baffled, but there again, I should imagine, getting dressed in the morning and putting her hair on her head must be quite baffling for her. So she went on to Facebook during the election and said, who's David Cameron and why do people keep posting about him? She then said Tony Blair and Osama bin Laden were the only prime ministers she knew about and claimed US President Obama was a terrorist. Her 2,000 Facebook friends, who assumably are in the same home she's in, said, please tell us you're joking. Another said, Dev, Bin Laden is a terrorist, you madhead. Because that's the funny, that's the way they, they taught you, madhead. As opposed to, you complete and utter bozo. Anyway, um, she says they, they should teach you about politics at school. Instead, they teach you about the parts of a leaf and how flowers reproduce. Apparently, she studied A-level art. <laughs> not made the best of herself. The hair's not hers, of course. And she works in customer services for an insurance firm. She said, many of her friends don't know who Mr Cameron is. I mean, if I was your boss, I'd have you out on the streets like five seconds. Five seconds, you'd be out straight away. I mean, not only are you just thick, 
You're just really ridiculous. You're a stupid woman. You show... You show oh, wait a minute. She comes from Stoke-on-Trent. I rest my case, ladies and gentlemen. Stoke-on-Trent. And so she's never heard of him. Never. She said he's obviously not doing enough to get our attention. No. And yet with one stupid utterance from a... From a thicko like you, dear, you've got people pointing and laughing at you. You are so dim. Mind you, you're that dim. You'll probably go to work today and you go, I'm in the papers. Yeah, because I'm like, you know, like chav, like all this kind of stuff. Over in America, I didn't know they still had biker gangs, but they have apparently. Some of them are feared biker gangs. You know, years ago it was the Hell's Angel. Now you've got the Cossacks. Woo! Big bunch of girls on motorbikes. Most of them ride side saddle. Only this lot turn up and they have a fight over territory and parking spaces and things like that. I mean, it's just... Apparently, the police said they've never seen anything like it. This is in Waco, incidentally, and you know what Waco was famous for. So they've got nine shot dead due to giving a funny look because they went tooled up, as they call it. That's an expression now. And um, and the police are going... Because the police were there waiting for them. They knew it was going to happen because they'd been forewarned. It was in this uh, this cafe, so they've got them all lined up. All the, Why don't they just take all the bikes and crush them? Make them get the bus. They get the bus in future. They don't look so so clever walking, you know, off the bus carrying a crash helmet. But uh, but the Cossacks are there, and then there's another group. They just all look a bit stupid, don't they? You have to laugh at them. I, you know, I couldn't care less whether they have fights and shoot themselves out. But because I don't quite understand what it's about, I don't quite understand the purpose of street gangs. I was an Ovaltini. Why on earth you'd want to be in a street gang? What would be the purpose of that? Who wants to live on the streets? Nobody. Nobody at all. But I did find the great story of the day. Apart from the really thick woman. We found the postie. His name is Belangi Musumba. Yes, Belangi Musumba, 47, tried to claim almost £300,000 compensation. He's bent, of course, in every way possible. He said spinal pain after a car accident left him unable to walk without a stick. And your heart, your heart bleeds. So a court heard he claimed he couldn't even get dressed without the help of his wife. Who I should imagine must have known all about it. He'd received a Royal Mail payoff after doctors ruled him unfit to work. Which doctors would those be who didn't spot the fact that there was nothing the matter with him? So he got £23,000. Well, armed with this, he decided to go after more. So he claimed £292,925. His scam was rumbled after two years by his stage appearance at the Rainforest World Music Festival. Insurance investigators filmed Musumbu playing guitar and bongos on stage, driving shopping and lifting heavy boxes. Yesterday, he's been jailed for 18 months as a punishment, and they want 24,525 quid back in the post office. And if they don't get it, I suggest they go round and rip his house apart. But uh, he'd been injured unloading parcels in the snow when a car skidded into his van, pinning him to the door. He was given a thousand quid by the insurers. A year later, he was hit by another car. I mean, this man is the unluckiest person in the world. But being bent, of course, you could quite understand. He comes from Muswell Hill and he admitted fraud. So uh, we want our money back, pal. We want our money back. And I hope nobody ever employs you ever again. And I hope you get no benefits. Dreadful, honestly. Why are these people are out there? I don't know. Mind you, if somebody obviously sort of ratted on him. <laughs> so many of these, says Ray, who say they hate bullies are often bullies themselves. Oh, yeah. Oh, this, this one is absolutely a, a bully. Absolutely a bully. It's always funny, the ones that sort of say, oh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a bully. And you think, yes, you are. 
Yes, you are. You're doing exactly the same sort of thing. Except the difference is, I get paid for it, and I'm always absolutely spot on the money. I'm always right. It's not bullying. It's called telling the truth. What you're doing, that poor little Josephine, or whatever his name was, is, is the bully. That's the one who's the bully. But unfortunately, not quite bright enough to, uh, to understand. Uh, Steve... Says Eric, you say unstable people being on the television. There are mad people out on licence in the public domain that should not be there. A case of wrong place, wrong time. I don't know whether or not these people should be allowed on television. If you watch Erin the other day, you've never seen such a drippy queen in your entire life. I mean, sobbing into the bed. Seriously, I mean, now he's going to make it through. Like, I wasn't sure if he was drunk or on drugs. Seriously, I had no I'm assuming they'd all had loads of drink, and sometimes people on drink get a bit emotional. He was just beyond emotional. He was like, go away, go away. I go to London and you know, I made something of myself, but I became a model. And this, he's like, obviously all things, but a failure at everything. And to be honest with you, with what he turned up in on Big Brother, he does gay people no favours whatsoever. Uh, Kerry Mulligan got an Oscar. Kelly Brook broke into US TV, unlike most, says Jenny. She didn't uh, break into US television. She sort of broke in and broke out again. They, they cancelled the series and she's got no work. So she needs to find something. Uh, Ian says, wait a second, if I was asked to go on Big Brother, I'd be a nobody. I'd accept. Uh, I'll accept. Be a hypocrite and be savage by you. Hey-ho! It is true, actually. It is true. Yes, I mean, I can, in theory, make people famous by talking about them. I can do that. I can do that. That, that, that can be the sort of thing I, I can do if I talk about somebody enough. Uh, Frank says, the reason Walliams plays these parts and act like that is, well, I don't know. I mean, no, he's, he's definitely not gay. He's, he's married. He's got a daughter. I mean, at the very most, he could be bisexual. At the very most, he could be. But, you know, I don't know many gay people who have children with their wives. You know, you have bisexual people, and I don't think it's going to go any further. But honestly, in this day and age, who cares? Do people really care about somebody? You see somebody on the television, and, you, and they go, oh, I'm gay. And you think, oh, no, big surprise there. You know, I remember we were all deeply shocked. I, had to, I nearly went to rehab when H from Steps told us he was gay. Well, he could have knocked me down with a feather, ladies and gentlemen. I had no idea. Like Liberace and Rock Hudson before, and all these other people, and they go, I'm gay, and we go, who cares? It doesn't matter. It's like somebody coming out and going, I'm a lesbian. Oh, shut up. I'm transgender. No kidding. No kidding. You know, we're not interested. It's just no interest to anybody nowadays. So, you know, whatever David Walliams comes out and says in a few years' time, I couldn't care less. As long as, oh, sorry, as long as he. As long as he entertains people on the, on the television, that's fine. But, you know, if, if you're masquerading as heterosexual, stop going around playing up. A friend of mine went to a, I told you, a, a big bash in a top London hotel. David Walliams was the, was the cabaret. And he spent the whole time playing gay. He said it was really embarrassing. He said we sort of sat there thinking, what are you doing? He played up to the managing director, did the usual kiss. And you think, what are you doing? This is not an extended Little Britain sketch. That's for the television. Now this is real life. Can you separate real life? I don't know. I don't know. Obviously not. I do find it some, somewhat odd, though. Somewhat odd when he sort of goes around doing it all the time. And you, it, gets, it just gets tedious. It just gets tedious. And uh, you've made me famous by talking about me. The checkout lady in Waitrose was even talking about you today. She died when she found out I was the Warren, says Warren. <laughs> the Warren. <laughs> I was the Warren. <laughs> I like things like that. So today, uh, when I finish, because, oh, I've got one interview to do this week. You know, I did yesterday. We did Andy McNabb yesterday. 
Didn't get a selfie with him. Tried to get one. And um, I don't have an interview today. So today it's, hope, hope the weather stays nice. It's pot planting. And I'm very much looking forward to that. And I think we might spend some more money on plants. And uh, that, what's today? It's today? Today's Tuesday. Tomorrow's Wednesday, Thursday. I've got one on Friday. Jim Dale on Friday is coming in from the carry-ons. And he's in town. He's got a one-man show, which I think is on at the Vaudeville or Vaudeville Theatre in the Strand. And if you're a fan of carry-ons, you're going to want to go and see Jim Dale. He's down there. He'll be talking about, no doubt, the carry-ons, about his career, Barnum in New York, and uh, the fact he's been over there for some time. But I know that Barbara is going to do something with him. I'm sure that's common knowledge, actually. I've just got myself into trouble for saying it. But uh, they can be reunited because he was Dr. Nuki. Dr. Nuki! Do you remember when he was in Carry On Nurse and Barbara is lying on a trolley with just little stars covering her little boobies? Well, quite, quite big boobies. And so she, so that was it. So they'll be reunited, her and the boobies, with, uh, with Jim Dales. He's coming in on Friday, which is actually absolutely ideal for me because I've got lunch with a friend of mine on Friday, Mr Levi, and I are going for lunch. You remember he did all those documentaries with, um, with the Geldof girl? And he's done loads of things like that. He did the Broadmoor documentary as well. Very interesting. Somebody was in... Oh, so I can't mention it. But somebody's in court at the moment over... Nothing to do with Broadmoor, but something that I, was, I wanted to mention, but I can't at the moment. Harry, who thinks he's a prince, says Trevor, is becoming more annoying day by day. He's no more a prince than I'm a celebrity. Well, he claims, doesn't he? And I, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't really think it's of that much interest that the army saved him from himself. I don't know what that means. He's supposed to be setting an example to people. What, you mean the drunken behaviour? And then he went in the army and that sort of made him better. Well, I've seen no evidence. Even when he went to Australia, what did he do there? Not very much. Posed for a few pictures, went to a bar in New Zealand, rubbed noses, did the hacker, played a game of football, and that was about it. I'm not exactly working for a little bit. But anyway, back for the photo opportunity while they, they're all saying, don't mention William and Catherine, OK? They're staying in Norfolk. The Queen will go out and do this. But uh, William, William doesn't like it. He doesn't like going. So can we push Harry out and try and make something of Harry? But uh, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it at all. 14 to 5. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's 11 minutes to 5. Great to have you company this morning. And uh, it's a Tuesday. And so everything in the uh, the garden was rosy, which means it's Chelsea Flower Show. Normally we get the Queen. This time we got Charles. In fact, we get everybody. And we get Prince Harry as well, who's just flown back in. And is desperate for a photo opportunity of, of Harry standing there. Not that I think he's ever gardened in his entire life. In fact, I'm not even sure he has a garden. Does he have his own house? No. What does he have? He has, for a 30-year-old man, he, uh, you'd thought by now he'd have had his own property, wouldn't you? At 30, I would have thought so. But no, he lives, I think, in St James's Palace. I think he's got rooms at Buckingham Palace as well. And that's it. I don't even think he's got his own room at his brother's place. Because he hasn't even bothered to go and see his brother's new, uh, new offspring. He's had every opportunity, but he's decided to go for the photo opportunities. The Queen very complimentary uh, about, the, uh, about planting and everything else. Because I think she likes that. I don't think she's ever gardened in her life. They just go... We'll move that there. And they do it. Uh, Charles likes the garden. I don't think he actually gets down and dirty. And, uh, well, not that I've heard. And uh, Camilla probably goes out there and sort of pots a weed or pulls to do something. I don't know. But the rest of them were there. But it's, it's just an, another photo opportunity to try and make us forget that, uh, that there is another brother in the family. And that's William. Uh, Cheryl Baker does an interview and then and talks about how she secretly fell for Mike Nolan. Kind of barking up the wrong tree there, I would have thought. But anyway... She uh, she said she'd hidden her love for Mike um, 
over a period of time. She saw him and he was, uh, she said there was this beautiful tanned perfect man wearing a white fluffy towel. Okay, right. (laughs) Anyway, and she says, all the time I was, uh, we went through the rehearsals, and all the time I was keeping this guilty secret. Mike and I were both in serious relationships. I know it was wrong to tell him how I was feeling. Well, as I say, kind of a waste of time, wasn't it, really? Married mum of two, Cheryl said, I had this thing in my head. You don't have relationships with who you work with. Huh? Absolutely. Stunned Mike, now 61 told the Daily Express he'd never guessed Cheryl's feelings for him. I couldn't believe it, he said. I was quite shocked, but in some ways quite chuffed. I've known her, you know, for 34 years, very, very close, but I had no inclination. No. Well, you wouldn't, would you? <laughs> Last thing you'd be thinking about, making your mind up. Wouldn't be thinking about that at all, I shouldn't imagine. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. A lot of people asking when the Andy McNabb interview is going to be broadcast, and that I cannot tell you at the moment. It might be this weekend. The book is out very, uh, very of the moment. Very of the moment with ISIS and a newly elected government and an assassin on the loose. You know, the, the stuff that does. This is in the, in the Tom Buckingham uh, books. This is third in the series. So very good indeed. Very good. We talked to him yesterday. Very. I had to ask him loads of questions about ISIS and how we stop people uh, from getting radicalised on air. And he said, you just have to make it unattractive. And I said, the problem is that these these 15 year old girls and the 16 year old, they're obviously a bit simple and they're obviously easily led. Somebody has said to them and make it attractive. He said, yeah, they actually post pictures of girls over there standing in McDonald's and all the rest of it. Whereas, in fact, really, they're just sort of the basis of murdering thugs who are psychopathic killers. You know, Jihadi John should have been strung up ages ago. There was no point in keeping somebody like that alive. You know, this this idea of sort of murdering people because you don't like their religion is nothing short of barbaric. And as soon as they're all blown up, he reckons, Andy McNabb said yesterday, he reckoned that the Americans could go in and wipe out ISIS immediately. Twen- what did he say? Two weeks. He, t- he, said, he said in two weeks, the American army could wipe out ISIS. But there's no political will. Very, it's very interesting because what he says makes a lot of sense because it could be done. It could be done. They could wipe if they wanted to. You know, they're just unfortunately some other people would have to get killed at the same time. But, at, uh, you know, once once you've got rid of these, we have people in this country who are sympathetic to ISIS. As far as I'm concerned, let's find them, get them out of the country, keep them out of the country. We decided yesterday we didn't want these three girls back. I'm not remotely interested in having them back here. I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. They're devious little liars and little minxes and also having underage sex. So I don't want anything to do with them at all, at all. And uh, if the three girls, says Alan, come back from Syria, it's going to cost us thousands to watch them. So why bother letting them back? I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. I don't want them back in this country. I wouldn't. Tr- they're liars. Compulsive liars. Wouldn't have them here. Nasty pieces of work, ladies and gentlemen. You know, so they go over there, as I pointed out the other day, new, if you, in case you're a new listener, pointed out the other day, they leave their, their families. They don't tell them where they're going because they're, they're devious and liars. And they thieve from them to pay for these tickets. So they go, a 15-year-old manages to find a, a, a travel agent who will sell her a ticket. They get through and they get, you know, they get taken over the border by people that they've obviously been corresponding with. And they marry these jihadists. So, uh, or as I prefer to call them, perverts. So they marry them and then they decide that they don't really want to be there because but that's the bit I don't believe. So in other words, you can radicalise them enough to thieve from their parents and lie and cheat their way through everything. And then they go, oh, we, don't, we, don't, we, we, we thought we'd just come back home now. Like it was a holiday. Like we'd just nipped down to Brighton or something like that, bought some, some ice cream and some, some candy and then we were coming back again. I don't think so. 
I don't think so, as I said yesterday. So, so they're now turning their back on ISIS. You think ISIS are going, what, you think you can just pop in here and then pop back out again? No, you can't. They'd have no hesitation in beheading them. No hesitation. What, somebody who's turning their back on ISIS and who's already been inside, so knows about the operation? <laughs> you think they'd be allowed to get out alive? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, Connie says, very therapeutic, because I'm starting my pot planting and growing veg and salad seeds. I shall be attempting to make my own compost. Very easy to make compost. Christine Walkden, the compost queen, she knows all about that. Oh, goodness me. She could tell you how to make your... Oh, she loves a compost pile, does our Christine. Yeah, you can go and buy a compost maker, and you can put things in there, and you literally throw everything in from home, like your tea bags, your coffee bags peeling, stuff like that in the days. But, of course, nowadays, I mean, how many people peel vegetables now? Most people, most people, go out and buy ready-made stuff. So you just pick it up in a little bag and then you, you put it in. A friend of mine went to a Japanese restaurant. He said, we've got to go. He said, they do, they do tempura Brussels sprouts. said they were delicious. Tempura is, is it tempura? Which is where they sort of do it in a very thin, light batter. And he said, it, it was so delicious, he said, he doesn't even like Brussels sprouts. But he likes them now because he's had them. I said, well, I'd go anywhere for Brussels sprouts. I'm not proud at all. I'm going back to Little Italy, I've decided. That's the restaurant in Soho, because they do Brussels sprouts with lard on, so that was quite nice, Anthony. Uh, so oh, so good good for you, Connie, for, for growing things. You can Even kids can grow stuff in pots. You put some earth in, stick a few seeds in, put a little thing over the top until it starts growing, and then take the thing off, put it on the windowsill before you know where you are. You've got all sorts of things going. So it's, it's really good, really good. Well, well done. I, I applaud anybody who does that. But today I'm doing mine. Today I'm, I'm doing mine and I'm going, to be, I'm going to be very industrious. But I've decided that I cannot get my hands dirty. Because if there's one thing I hate, it's getting earth under your fingernails. I mean, it's seriously, you have to scrub your nails. And, and I can't, it takes about two days to get the blasted earth out again. So I've got plastic gloves. I've got a box of 100 pairs of plastic gloves. They did look at me rather strangely when I bought them. And I have to be honest, I did feel a bit guilty walking out of the shop with them. Anyway, it's 100 plastic gloves which are disposable and you roll, so like very thin rubber. Like, you know, somebody pulls them on and you kind of go, like that, you kind of worry a little bit. So I, I bought those and I shall use them today for doing the earth and I shall plant stuff up and it'll look wonderful. It'll look, I know it'll look wonderful because it, it's never not looked wonderful. Last year we posted pictures and everybody was going, whoa, it looked really good. And uh, to be honest, I even I thought they looked really good as well. Definitely agree with you. Read David Walliams, says Tony, the singer in Romford. I met him at a party I was singing at last year. He said there's something about him. Something about him. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, Pat, they all say that you have to be slightly mad to be a comedian. They say you have to be slightly off kilter. And But the trouble is, he was very good on Little Britain. Great. I mean, I, I believe that they don't talk to each other. I believe that they... Because if you work with somebody, and it's a very difficult thing to do, you work with somebody very closely, and then people go their separate ways. So at the end of Morecambe and Wise's careers, they were both doing separate things. Lots of people do. That's nothing unusual. People assume that... I mean, the only people I've heard of that it works for is Ant and Deck. They're buying holiday homes in the same resort. They, they've been together so long that they just know each other, and that's why it works. No matter whether you think, oh, they're very irritating, you know, it works for Ant and Deck. Everything they do, they don't, they don't need to think about it. They've just got that chemistry. And because they live practically next door to each other here, down in uh, Chiswick, they've bought holiday homes in exactly the same place. They just enjoy each other's company, and why wouldn't they? They've known each other since they were little kids. 
So uh, it works beautifully. Mind you, I saw Philip Schofield. He's a dirty boy, isn't he? I saw Philip Schofield on Alan Carr Chatty Man. And um, I think by the time you give Philip Schofield a few drinks, as Amanda Holden said, he's a really dirty boy. And I mean dirty, as in lewd. As in lewd. Uh, I wonder whether or not he'll be as, uh, as sort of lewd when people start talking about his daughters and things like that. I think he's got about three or four daughters. But uh, he still looks like he should be sitting in a broom cupboard doing glove puppets. I don't know why. I don't know why he should be. Uh, 84850. Jay on the A1 says, Cheryl was indeed barking up the wrong tree, as uh, Mike now lives in Norwich with his other half, his partner. Yes, yes. I, mean, I don't think it was any big surprise, do you? I don't think it was any big surprise. Still to come, the story about the widow who's been banned from laying flowers at her husband's grave. Uh, you may think it's a bit, it's a bit sad, but there is, a, there is a sort of another side to it, which I'll tell you about. Uh, the British pensioner who's fallen off a cruise ship. How people fall off cruise ships, I'll never know. Very difficult to find them again. Uh, the dramatic twist in the story of Amy Winehouse's love life. The blunders which left the evil nurse free to kill. Do you know that you can go online in the Philippines and you can, for £43, get a piece of paper which says you are a qualified nurse? That's how dangerous it is. And of course, nobody ever checks on these things. Uh, and the hundreds who got £47,000 from a BBC payoff, you know, and they moved, only to be rehired. Not so good, is it? And uh, Nigella Lawson reads the results in Eurovision. I want Colin Berry. I don't care. It's LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Four minutes past five. It's Tuesday morning in London town. The British pensioner has fallen overboard from a cruise ship. Thomas Cook have given a million and a half pounds to charity. I'm not really sure whether or not that's helped. I mean, I don't think it should have gone to the parents, but I think, I think they should have given the whole lot charity, to a children's charity. That would make more sense to me. The blunders which left the evil nurse free to kill. It's so easy to pick up a qualification. Does anybody check? Could I go and buy a £43 card in the Philippines which says I'm a qualified nurse? I mean, it's bogus, of course. But do you think I could actually get a job in a private hospital? I reckon you probably could, actually. And Taylor Swift, eight Billboard Awards. A record. Too much food, apparently, gives you fat fingers. Did you know that? Too much... See, I've not. I always thought that I had long, thin fingers, which meant that I could play the piano. Unfortunately, I can't play the piano. It doesn't. I don't think it's got anything to do with my fingers. It's just I don't have the gift of playing the piano. And I thought I could do that. I can't even type messages without getting a little bit confused with all the uh, with all the different sort of things. I mean, predictive text on my phone is just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So funny. Remember, I told you my friend uh, Jez the other day had had his uh, wisdom tooth removed. Only took half an hour. Uh, but he's, he's laboured it. Seriously, you'd have thought he was going under major operation to remove limbs. Seriously. Yesterday, he was le- troweling it on, as opposed to a half an hour. He goes in there, and it's a wisdom tooth coming out, so obviously what she does, she numbs him up. I think he had four injections. And then they break the tooth, and then they take out the pieces. It's, it sounds horrendous. <laughs> it's, in fact, it sounds horrendous to me. But he, lay, he was going, I nearly died on the table. And, of course, it didn't kind of register with me to start with. And then yesterday he was going, I, they, they, they told me I nearly died three times when I was under. I said, 
A, you weren't on a table, and B, you weren't actually under at all. You know, he's, he's, he's really trowled on a bit. Sometimes you just, you know, I had to write back to him yesterday and said, for goodness sake, just grow up. <laughs> I love people who do that. But, I, but he, he, he does feel better having been to the dentist. I know there will be many of you listening who absolutely hate the dentist, like loads of people. Uh, Steve, why did Andy McNabb refuse a selfie? You won't get any selfies with Andy McNabb. It's because uh, even when he appears on television, he appears um, in silhouette. Or I think on one of them, they just showed his elbow showed his elbow because uh, because he went on a lot of missions and so there'd be a lot of people who um who would be out to to get him but i mean i've i've known him for years but he he could walk past you and you wouldn't know him and that's why you're not in theory supposed to say when he's sort of coming in at what time his books have to be vetted by the mod and things like that in case he's giving stuff away and he's been very successful i forget he's had about 16 17 18 19 20 probably about 27 books out I mean, seriously, it's, you know, for, for, a, for a bloke who, uh, who was, uh, for, for, the, for the best part, illiterate, for the bloke who, you know, was in trouble most of the time and who then went into the, the forces, I mean, he's, he's not done badly. He's not done badly at all. Here's the story, and I have to tell you this one because this, this crops up a lot. I read loads of these stories in the papers. This is a lady called Brenda Burrell. She's 72, and uh, she lost her husband, John, three years ago, after 51 years of marriage. Now, I don't need to tell any of you listening that if you've spent that much time with somebody, nothing but nothing can compensate you. It's as if you've lost a limb. It's, it's possibly even worse. Anyway, she's had a row with her daughter, who is called Yvonne, who technically owns her husband's grave. I mean, I didn't think that was possible. Anyway, Brenda says that her visits to the cemetery will never be the same again. And because her daughter owns the plot, it means that her mum, Brenda, is legally forbidden from leaving any floral displays by the headstone. She says, I can't put flowers on the grave again. I told her she couldn't stop me, but she said actually she could because she owns it. I put the deeds in her name, so technically, according to my solicitor, she does own the grave, so that's it. Everything's just got worse I went to the cemetery the other day for a memorial on the day he died and I just cried and cried. Her daughter-in-law, Nicholas, says it was the anniversary of John's death and Brenda couldn't put any flowers on the grave. It hurt her. Brenda's really sad at everything that's gone on. They were married for more than 50 years. Yvonne says she's within her rights to stop anything being placed on the grave because she holds the title deed. She took the decision after a large lantern was not removed when she asked. And uh, so, but I don't know what the rift is with the daughter. They haven't told us about the rift. So she says I can't stop them visiting the grave but I can stop them putting anything on it. I mean that's her dad isn't it? I mean why would you want to ban your mum? I know families do have rifts and I understand that sometimes things get completely out of control but when you want to go and put flowers on somebody's grave and your daughter forbids you from doing it because she owns the plot I mean, it's it's a bit harsh, isn't it? It is a bit harsh. It's I mean, I, I don't know. Perhaps, you know, there was something that went on that we're not aware of. And it, it's obviously something that's gone quite deep. Because if somebody says you're not putting flowers on there... And people feel better put it... I mean, I personally don't. I personally don't. I'm not remotely interested in flowers. I think they look very, very pretty and, and pot plants and all the rest of it. And I, I, I quite like that. But I'm not in favour... Because as somebody once said to me, what on earth are you giving flowers to the dead for? They don't appreciate them. And they don't. They don't. They're not there. 
They're not there at all. They've, they've gone, depending on what, what your belief is, but they're certainly not there. The, the physical body might be there, but what's that, that going to do with a bunch of flowers sitting on there? I've always been horrified, uh, but at the same time sort of slightly heartened by the fact that every Mother's Day at crematoriums there are acres of flowers. Acres! Why do people do it? Does it make people feel better? Does it make people feel better? I don't know. Give flowers to the living. They like them a lot more, I tell you. They really do. Um, I did have... Uh, wait a minute. I did have a thing from, uh, from Bryn, actually. Bryn and Annie. And I saw it the, uh, the other day. And I remember thinking, I must read it, because I think one of my favourite films was coming up on the television again. Every day I go back home, and London Live is showing another one of my favourite films. Seriously, I mean, I, I do have a lot of favourite films. A lot of favourite films. And... Um, and I will sit down and I will watch old films. I like old films. I've just got to think about I don't know why, actually. I don't know why it is about old films, because I don't remember watching them first time round. So why it would make any difference watching them second time round, or even third time round, I've got no idea. But I did have a thing in. I shall find it, actually. It'll, it will have, uh, it'll have popped into my mailbox probably, probably about the other day, I think. I can't remember when it did, but I, I shall find it and I'll, I'll read it to you because normally Bryn and Annie are sort of hanging on every word over there in La Belle France and enjoying every, uh, every bit of it because they, they like it over there and so they would. I shall find it in a moment. Uh, there is uh, the story of Nigella set to serve on Eurovision. I don't know why, actually. So she says, it's true. We, oui, Sivra and uh, Yar, so she'll be just doing the, uh, the voting results. I don't know why I want Colin Berry to do them. Don't want anybody else. I don't like change. <laughs> really don't. Uh, what was this thing about the NHS? Didn't David Cameron say it was going to be a seven-day NHS? I thought it was seven days at the moment. Shows what I know about the NHS. Excuse me. Oh, that's better. Oh, I tell you, you can't beat a cup of coffee in the morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's the best thing you can have. It sort of it perks you up. Perks you up. Uh, another one here. William was in Switzerland yesterday. Read a speech on wildlife poaching. Oh dear. Horea says paternity leave lasted two weeks. Uh, 84850. And, uh, and that's, oh, sorry, just going back actually briefly on the Andy McNabb thing. That's why you don't, you're not allowed to take selfies. We always laugh about it because everybody says to me, you're going to take a picture and put it. No, of course I can't. I'm not allowed to because he does actually have exemption from things like that. Did you know, says Connor, you can get a free compost bin from the council. They normally retail at 30 to 40 quid. Actually, in my day, it was just a pile of straw in the garden. And you just um, sort of just chuck stuff on it and then turned it over. The heat in the middle, the heat in the middle could be absolutely astronomical. Seriously, you could, you know, in, that's why in wintertime the steam would rise off it. Really good. Really, really good. I love the uh, the story. Well, not, not really a good story of a woman of 89. And uh, this is Mildred Unsworth. Mildred Unsworth lives, I think, in uh, Preston. And uh, she beat off armed robbers with her umbrella. This, it's not as simple or as straightforward as you think it is. Uh, they were looking for jewellery. But uh, Mildred battled these people with her brolly while her daughter-in-law, who's 67, battled them with a walking stick. One of the men ran off with, uh, with, um, with facial injuries. And at Preston Crown Court, the judge hailed Mildred and her family for their considerable coverage. The raid near Lancaster last October happened after Mrs Unsworth's jeweller's son, Neil, was targeted by a debt-ridden business associate, Peter Singleton, who recruited career criminals Edward Brown and Philip Mortlock. Philip Mortlock has got bruise all over his face. 
<laughs> the court heard they arrived at 5am with cable ties and tape for their victims. Mr Unsworth was beaten and sprayed with CS gas. Then his mother and wife got involved and the robbers fled. Mortlock's injuries made a driver suspicious and the police matched his DNA. And so he's been jailed for nine years. <laughs> I'm sure you'll enjoy it in there. Don't ever tangle with 89-year-old ladies. They can be quite lethal, but uh, good for her. Good for her, eh? I love stuff like that. Stories like that re- restore my faith in human nature. Sounds like an old Ealing comedy, doesn't it? Don't you touch my... Fa- or like something, don't you get out of my pub. That's the sort of thing, isn't it? Uh, Simon Cowell has admitted that uh, Susan Boyle altered his outlook on life. Mine too. I started going to church more, drinking more. Uh, I've even t- taken up smoking again. Joking. And, uh, I mean, Susan Boyle didn't change anybody's life, really. I mean, I'm glad that she stayed out of the limelight. Uh, he says that she was such a revelation that he's no longer as quick to dismiss acts or people. Oh, it was staged, Simon. At least be honest with us. At least be honest with us. You know, it's no big surprise these people going on there. It's all been... They deliberately made her dress down. What's your name? Susan Boyle. Remember that? We walked on stage. And what's it? Uh, I want to sing. And then, and so she sang... Averagely, a song from Les Miserables. When they finally put her in the show, she was a disaster. You know, she sounds great in the studio, but then you can enhance anybody. If the Spice Girls can be made to sound great in the studio, I'm telling you, Susan Boyle can be made to sound... That's why they sort of took her out on tour. She made all her money. She didn't need to sing ever again. They've got enough tracks laid down, and they don't need to put her out on tour doing anything at all. But he says it's changed his life, although he's admitted the other day, didn't he, in the papers, that he's uh, had to lie to young people so as not to hurt their feelings. Hurt their feelings. It's what a lying to somebody. Because they only start believing it. And then they get to a certain age to go, well, Simon Cowell said I was good enough to be in this show. Well, you're not. You can put Susan Boyle in anything. Her attention span is that of a gnat. Quarter past five. Nick Ferrari and the team this morning will find out how London could be a centre for organised crime. And given the revelations about the Stepping Hill murderers' possible fake qualifications, why can't we get more British people to work as nurses? Sky's chief political correspondent John Craig joins Nick to look at the papers. That's Nick and the Breakfast team after seven this morning. That's after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. And I must tell you now, actually, there's no free podcast for today. And uh, the reason is that uh, we've been stricken with people going sick, so there's nobody to uh, to do it. Well, I mean, there's me to do it, but there's nobody to record the thing, I'm afraid. So uh, you'll have to forgive us today. There's no free pod. Listen to yesterday's. Pretend it's today's. But it'll, it'll be back to normal, I promise you, tomorrow at the same time. Uh, lovely Bryn and Annie over there. They always keep up with us, uh, even over in France. And Annie, of course, is a, a lady rattling, which is where I went the other day when I took Barbara Windsor. And it was lovely. And uh, this only, I only got this the other day, actually. So it sort of came in a little bit. Uh, it only came in yesterday. She says that we would ask that when you speak to anybody who remembers me, that we wish them all the luck. Interesting, he said, to know you will be escorting the lovely Barbara Windsor, with whom I share the same initials, Bryn Williams, Barbara Windsor. Uh, we have many doubles, Bernie Winters, Billy Whitaker, Bert Whedon, Ben Warris, and a whole bunch more. Babs is adorable, and we're both very fond of her. I did Lady Rattling's parties for over 30 years, and they really are the greatest bunch of girls you could wish to meet. Yes, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. We had some superb times, and when I retired... Uh, They gave me the most wonderful present and they sent me a personal and private letter. Very kind and thoughtful. So if you manage to meet any of them for a chat, please, please give them our warmest love and best wishes. He said, uh, let us know how it went. Uh, I I did it all on 
because um, it was Sunday, wasn't it? I did it yesterday on the programme. It was, it was really, it was, as always, as always, absolutely perfect and uh, really, really good. And actually, after I um, tweeted a picture of Barbara with the cabaret that we had there, which was uh, Lionel Jeffries' son, Lionel Jeffries' son, was there, who was uh, who was absolutely amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing. And uh, there was a, a picture that I actually put on there of... Wait a minute, I've now lost the thing. Wait a minute. I shall find it in a moment. And it was, it was a, a beautiful picture, actually. Hope Springs. And he's absolutely enormous. It's drag, but, but it, it's cleverer than that. It's cleverer than that. He sings, he plays the piano. Really brilliant. But next to Barbara... He's about seven feet tall. Barbara only sort of comes up to his waist. <laughs> but it was really good. And I think he does a lot of stuff down at the Hippodrome here in, in London. There's a lovely picture today of a... I mean, it, it is so funny. It's a little penguin. It was set up by a photographer to amuse his son. And um, what he's done, he's hung a little umbrella from a washer, a little pink umbrella from a washer, a little tiny thing. And the squirrels come along... And the squirrel's holding it, so it because squirrels are very inquisitive. And so he's got this lovely photograph of this squirrel holding the umbrella, making it look as though he's holding it, but of course he's not really. But it's, it's the funniest thing that you've ever seen. Because <laughs> squirrels, I think people actually test them, don't they? Just to see how far they, uh, they will go. And they'll do anything to go and get food. They'll do anything to sort of just amuse, I think. But the grey squirrels we don't like. Don't like them. They, they aren't as nice as the red squirrels, but the grey squirrels drove them out. A lot of people yesterday, and I know it was on LBC because I was listening to people talking about it. Uh, Prince Harry calling for the return of national service, and some people saying, "Yeah, good idea." The main one seems to be that you know when people are talking about national service, oh, it gives young people a purpose, gives young people something to do. But when I was talking to Andy McNabb the other day, and uh, I should know tomorrow when that one's going to be transmitted. Uh, he was saying that there's no point in training young people up to be in the army if then you leave them sitting there. You know, you, you train somebody up for a war situation and then they sit at home drinking in pubs. Well, that doesn't serve any purpose at all. They need to actually sort of get out there and do something. Joanna Lo- Pardon me, sorry. Joanna Lumley is in the papers. I don't know what happened there. I thought I breathed in as I should have been breathing out. Uh, Joanna Lumley, who I absolutely adore. I think she thinks she's got one of the best voices of anything. She's terribly, terribly posh. Actually, i tell you who else is posh. That bloke who does Chris Packham. He's really posh. He tries to make out he's a bit working class. Not a bit of it. Anyway, uh, Joanna Lumley is in the paper. She's coming up 70. I'm sorry, where, where does the time go? And she says, because uh, for most people, they're the bane of life in the city. They ruin carefully tended gardens. They frighten the pets. But in fact, she feeds them dog food and lets them curl up on her sofa. Foxes. She lets urban foxes curl upon her sofa, and she's got a picture of one on the sofa. She says, I know that they're... She says, I love animals and I'm vegetarian. I don't like things being killed, so I like to feed the foxes. Uh, she's been supporting the Marks and Spencers exhibit of British Blooms at the Chelsea Flower Show. And, uh, and lovely they look too. And she says, that they're not going to eat any chickens because... There aren't any chickens. She said, if we don't feed them, they get mange and die. And that's not fair. We have several that come round. I try not to name them, but they live under the shed at the back of the garden. They're absolutely charming. Some people might disagree with, uh, with Joanna Lumley. Some people might disagree and go, no. We, I mean, I know that if you've got chickens, it's really, it's really incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult to try and, try and keep them away from them. Because they just, but they were here before us. So I'm I'm with her on that one. I don't I don't have any problem with them per se. And we have loads. 
We have loads around, you know, the uh, the inner city foxes. They're everywhere. They're, they're, they're brazen. But they do follow the same pattern of walking every single night. I mean, our one, I can watch it. I can set my clock by it, really. People, you know, the, the people, the, the fox will walk up one side of the road, crosses over, comes down the other side. Seriously, it's looking for food. It obviously, it's got a set pattern, the places it will walk, and I think they live at the back of our car park somewhere. It involves them having to jump onto cars to get onto the wall to get there, but I suppose that makes it safer. But I, I nearly ran over a squirrel the other day. That's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? Because there's lots of baby squirrels around, and they tend to sort of just decide to hop into the road when they shouldn't hop into the road. And that's why you'll be seeing a lot of not living dead squirrels, and that's the best way I can, uh, best way I can put it at the moment. So just, just take extra care. Um, and, uh, and John says, you may not be able to play the piano, but you do play the banjo like a true maestro. maestro. And I can and only conclude that your dexterous fingerwork with the frets compares very fa- favourably with Henry VIII's second wife, Anne Boleyn, on the lute. If only I had a lute to play for you. Actually, I wish I could play the piano. I'm so envious of people that can play it. And I know people say, oh, you can learn to play the piano. Yeah, but it's so... T- I just want to go to bed at night, something happens to you, and then you wake up in the morning and you play the piano. I mean, it's obviously effortless for some people, but I mean, I, I, I can barely bang out chopsticks. Awful, really. Uh, there's a rise in women who drink wine and drive. Middle-class professionals, they say, who are not aware they're over the limit. I would have thought any glass of wine takes you over the limit. I, I, I would not be in favour of sort of climbing into somebody's car if they weren't aware of how many glasses of wine that they've drank or if you've watered it down. It is, it, it is a little bit difficult. And it does tend to be women, but also it's women who sit at home who tend to drink wine. And I suppose there is the temptation... Mind you, shock yesterday. Oh, I go to Mars and Spencer's thinking, I better stock up on some Prosecco. Don't like to... They didn't have any. The whole shelves are all filled up with, with champagne and everything else. I'm thinking, no, 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 put the Prosecco back. Otherwise, I shall have to drive to Costco and go and get the Prosecco today, or at least, the very least, go to Waitrose. I couldn't believe it. I scoured the shelves. No, I don't want you to bring me in a bottle. No, please, I don't, seriously, I don't want to. No, you save it. You've got 90. <laughs> you don't think one bottle's going to go very far, do you? That's just about a programme. One bottle, honestly, you cheapskate. <laughs> but I was, I was so disappointed. I did walk round the shelves twice, thinking perhaps they've moved it and I've, I've lost it. And I put my glasses on. No, I couldn't see it anywhere. None in the fridges. or anything. Perhaps they assume that now we're all so rich we're going to spend 38 quid on a bottle of champagne. I'm not. I am not. Uh, here's the, uh, the bloke in the paper today. This is... Uh, Victorino Chua and his wife Marianne. They married in the Philippines. Uh, she followed into Britain. None of his family attended his uh, trial. He tricked his way into the UK. He has this uh, bogus paper that, that qualifies him. He's quite clearly got some uh, sick illness. He continued at Working Hill uh, even when he was hepatitis B. And he became a British citizen. Uh, when he was arrested, police found he was addicted to painkillers. In his bodies were industrial amounts of codeine. He also took large amounts of other drugs. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's really terrible, really. The vetting is so poor. In fact, if indeed it exists. When you look at this, this piece of paper that you can get um, for £43, and this has been going on for years, there's a rampant trade in these. Loads of people, fixers and forgers, to, who can fabricate any document that you want. So if you say, I need something that's going to fool the NHS, they will produce something. £43 gets it, and it all looks terribly official. You show it to somebody. Do they check? No. 
They're so desperately short, they just want people working. Why is it that people, and Nick Ferrari will address this this morning, why is it people in this country do not want to be nurses? Is it because of the conditions? Is it because of the money? What is it? Why do people not want to be nurses? It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, every 30, 29 minutes to six. There you go. That's about as accurate as we're going to get at this time of the morning. So well done to Taylor Swift, because Taylor Swift the other day just absolutely walked it. I think nine, nine Billboard Awards. I mean, that in itself is some achievement, some achievement there. So well, I don't really know enough about her. I've seen her being interviewed on a, on a couple of programmes, and uh, she seems perfectly nice. I've seen people covering her songs on television challenge, uh, chat shows and, and uh, these uh, Britain's Got Talent and Australia's Got Talent shows. And she seems she's very pretty, very pretty girl. So obviously she's flavour of the month. So the millions will be rolling in, rolling in. Um, did the Kremlin poison a supergrass who died whilst he was out jogging? They obviously still have the KGB and they obviously still have people who work within the KGB who develop new new drugs which can kill people which are totally undetectable. And such was the case of this Russian supergrass, Alexander Peri- Perilichini, who just was out jogging and uh, it turns out that he had a rare poison in his stomach, but it wasn't spotted first time round. It was only spotted second time round. He'd injected something called gelsimum, which is a toxic plant found only in China. I mean, how they get hold of this stuff? Apparently, elegans, uh, uh, it's very pretty. It's a highly toxic yellow-flowered shrub known as heartbreak grass found only in a remote region of China, a few drops in the bloodstream can trigger cardiac arrest, making it appear that the victim suffered a heart attack. In 2012, police investigating the death of millionaire tycoon Long Yuan in southern China suggested he may have been poisoned by eating this, which was slipped into a cat stew, with the very idea that he was in a restaurant eating a cat stew I find fairly horrendous. There are three species. It's been marketed as a homeopathic remedy for migraine, asthma and even malaria. So, very interesting. So, was he given that? They don't know. First person to... Sorry, the fourth person in this country to have been linked to that particular... I mean, how do you find these things? So go to China, somebody says just one little tiny drop can make it look as though you've, uh, you've, you've had a heart attack. Frightening, isn't it? Frightening. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. I used to serve in a hotel, Steve, that used to have... This is Kevin the Milkman. Had two trays of eggs every day, and I'd put them in a crate on top of the milk, so they were, I thought, safe until I got there. Well, foxes love eggs and can smell them a long way off, and I'd often come out of the block of flats to find two or three foxes trying to climb all over the glass bottles, knocking the top off to reach the eggs. More brazen than Jordan in front of the camera crew. Good gr- I didn't know that. I didn't know that foxes ate eggs. I know that a friend of mine, poor soul, she was asked to look after a, fr- a neighbour of hers, chickens. And she put them in the in the chicken house at the night, which you're supposed to do. Unfortunately, the fox managed to work out a way of getting in and decimated. Absolutely, de- She woke up in the morning, no chickens at all, just piles of feathers. Because you can imagine, it's like the chickens must have gone ballistic. I mean, because it's it, you're on a hiding to nothing. You can't get out. And you're stuck in this... Oh, God, I mean, any worse. Poor chickens, poor chickens. Uh, here's a lady called Diane Morley. She went on a cruise. Second night of the voyage, she was struck down. Uh, she's had problems with her balance, debilitating nausea, and all sorts of... Anyway, 
three years on, she's still got it. She still gets sick, and she's often taken for drunk because she keeps falling down and bumping into people. Goes back to my producer's story of yesterday, doesn't it? So, poor soul, she's had this. I'll tell you a story about my, my drunk producer, but he really was drunk. No, not you, yeah. Uh, no, 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 heavens above, not you. Good grief, honestly. Why would I say that about you? I'd never say it to your face. LBC.co.uk. So, so poor Diane Morley. I mean, there appears to be no cure for it. I don't know if you've ever had that vertigo problem. But it really is a huge problem for a lot of people where you sort of um, bang your head on something and then the result is uh, is just really absolutely terrible. Really terrible. 84850, uk. Everything we read out on the pro Don't like to miss anything out on the programme. Why? Because we like to reflect just about everybody. So the, there's no cure for this. Cripplingly seasick after three years. She only went to the fjords. The fjords? Yes, she went to the fjords. So it's one of I've, one of the cruises I've always wanted to do. I forget who the, the, there is a company. Is it um, Fred Olson? And they do the fjords. And I've always thought it looks so beautiful, so beautiful. It's, you know, it's like God, if he'd ever created this in the first place, it was just the most wonderful thing you've ever seen. So I quite like to go to the... Uh, to the fjords. Uh, complaints about premium current accounts have trebled. The controversial paid-for accounts attracted more than 21,000 complaints the other year because products here cost up to £25 a month. You get travel insurance and this and that. I don't know if I've got... I mean, at one time, I had I had eight bank accounts. Eight bank accounts. That was just with one bank. With another one, I had two. And you might ask why I've got eight bank accounts. And the truth of the matter is, I have no idea. No idea. I think the reason was that I had um, a household account, a tax account, a business account, a savings account, a spending account, a me account, a me again account. And I just, I seem to have all these bank accounts. In the end, I used to get so so befuddled by everything. Now I have a, a me account and we have a, a tax savings account. So any money we don't spend at the end of the month, we put into the tax savings account. And that goes as sort of building up for when the tax man comes and knocking and goes, which he will at the end of July. Uh, hello, we'd like some money. And I then put on my best Kerry Katona voice and say, I ain't got no money. I'll go bankrupt. And they go, I don't think so. We know you've got the money. We've heard the programme. So you've definitely got it. Tesco are cutting the sugar in their soft drinks. It's not going to get people back in there, is it? A little bit too late. So they've promised to cut all the sugar in their own label soft drinks by 5%. It's been hailed by health campaigners. But as people are not going to, uh, to supermarkets anymore, and Tesco's were really struggling. But apparently they're Britain's biggest seller of soft drinks. And they're working with a juice company called Refresco Gerber, to find sugar substitutes such as plant-based sweetener, stevia. I'm not into sweeteners. I don't do... Stevia, thank you. You have to be so pedantic, don't you? Stevia. Oh, he's right. Is, is it in lots of things? In South America, it's everywhere. Oh, right. They just come up to you and go, uh, stevia. You go, he's called Steve Allen. You don't call him stevia. It's a little bit personal, isn't it? Stevia, it's called. And it's good to know. But apparently it means that the change will mean a litre of Tesco apple juice will go from having 111 Gs of sugar to 105. A reduction of one and a half teaspoons. Oh, it's not much good, is it? What's the point of that? I didn't even know that apple juice had that much. They add sugar to it? To apple juice? Why can't you just drink pure... See, I don't like all these juices. I only... Whenever they say on the juice, and I don't, I don't do juice full stop. I used to years ago, but not now. 
Uh, and if ever it says on it, made from concentrate, I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. I would only go for freshly squeezed. And I can't have grapefruit juice, because that's fatal for diabetics. I don't know why. I can't remember why it's fatal for diabetics. I just know that they've said to me, you know, don't ever drink grapefruit juice. And I used to love grapefruit juice. And I used to love orange juice, but I wouldn't dream of having orange juice now. I, haven't, I don't think I've had anything like that for a long time. I've drunk coconut water. That I like. And beetroot juice, but pure beetroot juice is very good, which I think you can only get from certain places. And that's about it. I miss the days of shaking up my, my Tropicana in the fridge and, and pouring out a lovely ice-cold glass of Tropicana with bits. Love that, but hadn't had it uh, for years now. Years and years and years. Uh, so very British. This is the Chelsea Flower Show. And, of course, a picture of uh, Tom Mullaney and Sandy Sanders. They can only be Chelsea pensioners, and uh, they're admiring the blooms because they get to go for free. In fact, if you're a Chelsea pensioner, you go everywhere for free. Seriously. You go and sit in a pub in Chelsea, and a Chelsea pensioner walks in. People will, will fall over each other in a bid to get to them first to buy them a drink. Everybody buys... I mean, how they're not alcoholics, I'll never know. They, they spend their life going from pub to pub in Chelsea, and everybody buys them drinks. Everybody. That's just what you do. That's what we do here. We buy drinks for the Chelsea pensioners. And uh, they're at the Chelsea Flower Show because it's in the grounds of the Chelsea Hospital where it takes place. And it is stunning. I mean, it, re- it really is. The blooms look lovely. But as I said, I love the last day when they all go round and people buy all the plants and everything. And they absolutely love it. I think it's great. Uh, so, would you know if you were eating goat's meat? I wouldn't. I never knew I was eating horse meat. But now, apparently, um, thousands of consumers are feared to have eaten foreign goat meat, believing it was British lamb, after being duped by a meat firm. Farm Box Meats bosses Colin Patterson and Daffid Rorys processed a vast number of goat carcasses bought from an uncredited foreign slaughterhouse and labelled them lamb trim, lamb shank and mutton. Small wonder I've been ill. Small wonder I've been ill. Now, where does, where does this get sold? That's what I want to know. Patterson admitted it was potluck whether a carcass was recorded as goat or sheep, as they appeared identical even to trained butchers. They visited them in the firm's premises near Aberystwyth. They found goat meat falsely dressed up as UK lamb. Yeah, but where was it sold? Where was it sold? One of them was given a, a two, a, sorry, a 12-week sentence suspended for two years. What, we've been eating... I mean, where do they go? He originally told police it was a. It must have been a staff error. Yeah, right. Lying pair of old toe rags, honestly. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But where was it sold? Which supermarkets were buying from this place and having it turned into things? So if it was going out as lamb shank and it was goat, and you might be allergic to goat. Remember I've told you that all of a sudden I've become allergic to lamb. And if I have lamb, lamb shanks or lamb anything, uh, including shepherd's pie, I'm, I'm practically borderline sick in the middle of the night. It's horrible. Really awful. So I've just stopped eating it and not had any problems with things like that. But So I wonder really now whether I've been eating goat or perhaps we've gone back onto horse again. I don't know. I can't tell the difference. Unless they sort of provide a little, a little sort of test kit whereby you can test the food. And so it says, this is, this is minced lamb. And you put a thing and it goes, it's beef. You go, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. More than 50 teachers... 50 teachers, 54 to be precise, have been struck off in the past 13 months for sexual misconduct involving pupils. God, it's even bigger than I thought. Even bigger. Head teachers are among the dozens banned from the classroom for life after they had sex with pupils, groped them, or sent them explicit messages. 
What Dickens is going on in a school? 54 child sex teachers have been axed. Mind you, even worse, two Butlin's lifeguards were sacked for allegedly taking part in a drug fueled party hours before they were due to supervise children. Apparently, bosses found lines of Meow Meow, commonly known as uh, Mepidrome, I think, in a staff chalet. Uh, Butlins say they have a zero-tolerance approach to drugs. Thank God for that. If only the supermarkets had zero-tolerance towards goat meat. I don't mind eating goat, provided they tell you it's goat. But if they're passing it off as something else, I want to know about it. I don't mind eating horse, because I've probably been eating it over the years quite a number of times. But I just want to, I want to know about it. I want to know what I'm eating. I like to know that the labelling on it. And this is where we have to trust the supermarkets. If I go into Marks and Spencers, I'm trusting them. I'm trusting them that I'm not going to fall sick eating one of their products. If I go to Waitrose, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily go to the corner shop and be eating ready meals or sandwiches or stuff like that. I'd be, I'd be hopefully buying from a place that I would trust implicitly. I mean, I wouldn't buy sandwiches from garages and things like that. I wouldn't even buy a pork pie from a garage, but there again, I would make sure that I'm never in a situation where I need to. Water might be the only thing that I would ever buy from a garage, but there again, I've got a boot full of water at the moment. I'm drinking water, man. I've tried to convince myself it's doing me a lot of good. It probably isn't, because I don't think I'm drinking enough of it, but I'm, I'm immediately taken by different waters, and I, I like water. I think it's supposed to be, but I don't drink from the tap. We had this long discussion the other day on whether or not on Sunday you would drink from the tap. And I said, I haven't drunk from the tap in years. Even if I was really, really thirsty, I would not drink from the tap. I'd find something else in the fridge. Prosecco or something like that. But I, I would never drink. Never drink from the tap. I don't know why. Isn't that funny? It's just one of those odd things. Talking of odd things, here's the odd time check for you this morning. We do odd time checks. And this one says a quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, 19th of May. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Mary sent me a, a lovely picture of her um, of her tomato plant, which is doing absolutely fantastic. I've always said, actually, to anybody who's ever said to me, oh, I can't grow vegetables. I've said, I promise you, tomatoes are possibly the easiest thing to grow. You don't have to have a grow bag. You can just sort of get it going. I mean, hers look fantastic, literally. And then she's got potatoes growing on the bottom. So she's got two plants. I mean, good. I mean, you've got enough tomatoes here to start making your own chutney. Really, I mean, absolutely fantastic. So, well well done you. I, would, I always advise everybody to do things like that. Go out there and see if you can actually, uh, you know, grow something today. If you've got kids, kids love stuff like that. They really do. They really do. Uh, 84850. Barry says, stag weekend on our boat on the Norfolk Broads. No naughty shenanigans, though. Well, that's what we told the stag. There always is, though, isn't there? Shenanigans. Mind you, we're on the Norfolk Broads. There's not really a lot you can do, is there? And, uh, and then Leslie says, uh, we had to, she sent me a lovely picture of food, and it's um, Brussels sprouts, flash fried, trying to make your mouth water this morning, with red pepper and chopped bacon, tossed with fresh lime juice, parmesan, parmesan, and chilies garnished with lime crema and fresh, is it cilantro? Looks delicious, doesn't it? Looks, I could eat it now. Mind you, there's not, at this time of the morning, I could eat anything. It's when people start talking about breakfast and stuff like that that I just go to pieces. I'm, I'm sort of not very good with people talking about breakfast when I'm sitting here. But I don't mind that. I don't mind that. So uh, yesterday we had pictures of Prince Philip out uh, being very happy, flirting. And then I realised who the lady was. This is uh, Lady Brayborn. And he's been having fun with Lady Brayborn for ages. 
ages. Uh, she's been a regular guest at his weekend house parties, which she has uh, at the secluded wood farm on the Sandringham estate. She never goes there when the Queen is there. This is, you are dealing with something completely different here. Over the years, it's been known that Prince Philip has what they call a roving eye. I can name you quite a number of people who've fallen under the uh, the wicked spell of the prince, who at 93 is still fairly, oh, pretty little, didn't you? I like you a lot. And so they go there, but they're very mindful, and they're generally very titled ladies. They're very mindful of the fact that uh, that the Queen is the Queen, and uh, she's probably bored to, bored to death with him by now anyway. But they, they sort of have separate lives, and yet they come together for doing their, their different things. And he enjoys carriage riding. So every time he's seen out with Lady Braybourne, they're always laughing and joking, because that's his... It's a friend. And it must be quite difficult, if you're Prince Philip, to actually have friends without people going, oh, you have a little bit of a dalliance there, are you, sir? And uh, he's just got people that he's known for years, and he's known her for, for donkey's years. Donkey's years. And so, in fact, I think she's his earpiece. She was the one who told him that Charles and Diana were, were not suited, because they'd virtually nothing in common. And he, he relies very much on what what she will tell him. And it, it's somebody to talk to. They're on the same kind of level. They're on the same level. And because they both enjoy carriage driving, they've got that to talk about. It's like finding somebody who's interested in your hobby. You know, you're married and then and then you, you sort of say, I'm just going to go and talk to her. And they go, that's OK, fine. You go and talk to her. I'm not remotely interested. I shouldn't imagine the Queen is interested in carriage driving at all. So, you know, off he goes and he has his he has his little sort of chats and they have drinks. There's his own little parties because he's been like that for years, years and years. There's nothing. I don't think you read anything into it. I don't think you... Well, as far as I know, you don't read anything into it. He's 93, for God's sake. He's 93. Uh, anyone for an Earl Grey G&T? I had um, a G&T... Um, what did I have the other day? Popcorn. G&T popcorn. Did I bring it in here? I can't remember. I might have done. But apparently they're doing all sorts of things now. This Earl Grey tea is popping up everywhere. If you want to know, uh, make an Earl Grey gin and tonic, then you buy Heston Earl Grey and Lemon Gin. Earl Grey and Lemon Gin. Because Heston's got this uh, thing with Waitrose. Obviously, it's on sale there at £23. Lemon and Earl Grey tea. That sounds quite nice, doesn't it? And I have to be honest, people think it's slightly sort of girly, don't they? If you say, I'll have an Earl Grey, they go, I mean, well, they used to when it first came out because it was a, it was a slightly scented tea. And people go, oh... That's, that's not butch enough, is it? You know, you've got to drink builder's tea, Yorkshire tea. That's the stuff, you know, but you could strip the insides of my stomach with Yorkshire tea. So I went for Earl Grey tea. I can't even drink PG tips now. I can't even drink PG tips. It's just a bit too strong. Earl Grey is fine for my palate, but they do English afternoon tea desserts in M&S, and these are little pudding. Oh, that sounds nice. I don't think I've encountered these before. Little puddings made of almond sponge soaked in Earl Grey, English sparkling wine, mousse and a strawberry centre. Why has nobody told me about these before? These sound delicious, don't they? English afternoon tea desserts. Little puddings made of almond sponge soaked in Earl Grey, English sparkling wine, sparkling wine mousse and a strawberry centre. Oh, that's me sorted for today. <laughs> Want to make the diabetes really bad? Go for that one. Go for that one. I saw so my friend the other day, and uh, Nicola, I was, I was waiting for her. I should have actually said to her this morning, are you making any of that, that nice flapjack that you made the other week? <laughs> Which I ate before the programme. No sugar in it, so absolutely ideal for diabetics. Ideal. Um, in the papers as well today, there's, there's lots of pictures of this fist fight. Well, that's how it started over in Waco. Then knives, chains, clubs, 
And then guns came out. And this is biker gangs fighting. They're all slightly peculiar. And in the end, nine bikers are dead. So expect to see pictures of biker funerals over in America. The story that we did the other day about the poisoned cosmetics which are flooding into the UK. And they're in everything. Do not think that it is just in something as simple as makeup. I've always said that if you if you choose to buy your makeup online from places you've never heard of before, expect to get something back which you don't want to put on your face. But already you can find counterfeit medicines. There are counterfeit cancer drugs which are which you can buy in this country. Apparently, during a ten day operation last year, a ten day operation, the UK officials seized how much worth of fake drugs? Eight point six million pounds worth. Eight, that's how much it's worth. And they closed down 1,800 websites. This is places that you'll go to. You'll put in cancer drug or cheap cigarettes, and up will come these fake sites. Toys. Counterfeit frozen toys flooding into Britain, which would kill your child. Last Christmas, trading standards officers in Walsall seized more than 400 frozen toys, including singing dolls, which contained chemicals that are linked to cancer, birth defects and infertility. Car spares. I mean, the market for car spares is astronomical. Astronomical. £6 billion a year it's worth worldwide. Six, small wonder there are factories in China turning out this garbage. Fake brake pads made of compressed grass. I mean, you can't believe it, can you, that somebody would actually buy fake brake pads. And so when you applied the brake, they burst into flames. Which you would expect. Steering columns made out of cheap metal. Fake oil filters destroying the engine when they fall apart. Fake booze. Everything from Chardonnay, and they're, and they're getting better at it. The bottles look convincing. They're almost identical to the real thing. Jewellery. Remember the Rolex? Well, I mean, there's now all sorts of stuff now. I mean, last year, trading standards officers in Dorset prosecuted two people for selling fake Pandora beads on the internet for 11 quid each instead of the usual 30. They were found to emit 12 times the permitted level of nickel and could have caused severe allergic reactions. Technology. I mean, there's one here, a charger. I've said, don't buy any chargers from markets. Nothing. Do not buy a charger from a market. Some poor man in Sheffield bought one last year. House burnt down. This thing caught fire. Don't buy anything. Cigarettes. At car boots, people selling cigarettes. They're fakes. They're fakes. If you seriously want to kill yourself, buy them. Please buy them. They're mostly made in sweatshops in Africa. And, uh, I mean, the tax... I mean, one here has been found to contain traces of insect eggs, rat poison, faeces and asbestos. It's amazing what smokers will do, isn't it? Um, how much are they? Uh, six quid for, uh, for 200, mate. Oh, I'll take a couple of cartons of those, thank you. I'll take a couple of sleeves. And off they go. They're fake. They're fake. Fake cigarettes. And obviously people want to buy it. It's like, you can understand, I suppose, people buying fake bags and fake... I was going to say jewellery, but I mean, I'm not even going down that route. And fake jeans... Things like that. People like to buy that kind of thing, don't they? But why you'd ever want to buy makeup on the internet? You know, and you can buy this on most of some of the big sites. Amazon. You've got to check. I'm really checking very carefully exactly where stuff comes from. Check on, on who, the, who the supplier is. And if you don't like the look of it, don't buy from it. Check on the delivery date. So if you're buying on Amazon, it'll generally say this will be delivered within, within two days or something like that. And if it's any longer than that, don't bother. The chances are it's coming from China and you've got a, a lot of problems. And if you're buying makeup or anything, I wouldn't buy anything electrical. Nothing electrical on the internet. I really wouldn't. Uh, apparently, there's a rather nice Earl Grey tea loaf, says Lynn. I know. 
I know. We've, we, we've tried a bit of that one. That was particularly delicious. Actually, I gave some to somebody here, and they said, oh, that's lovely. What is it? And I said, um, and I said it's Earl Grey uh, loaf. And I went, really? I said, yeah, it's delicious, isn't it? Really nice. Uh, 84850, Barbara likes Lady Grey. Yeah, I like Bre- English breakfast. It's funny, isn't it, that we're drinking posh teas now. Years ago, they'd have pointed and laughed at you. Nowadays, people people sort of go for it because it's it's the most popular tea. I would think Earl, Earl Grey. Horea says grapefruit and statins don't mix. As, uh, Les says, I normally made beetroot and carrot, carrot juice. Well, that sounds quite nice. Carrot juice. Can you make them together? Can you make those together? And then Eddie, in fact, everybody's telling me now, if you're on statins, you must not have grapefruit juice. And uh, and so I don't. I don't. I don't have grapefruit. I don't miss it, really. It's like a lot of things. If, if somebody says, you know, you can't have this anymore because it's dangerous, you know, and it'll make you ill, then you don't have it. It's as simple as that. I just stop taking it. And after a while, I look at it and I think that'd be nice. But now I can walk past the, the cabinets with all the juices in and not think Anything at all. News at six is coming up on LBC. Still to come, the blunders which left the evil nurse free to kill. How many other nurses out there and why can't we find British nurses? Thomas Cook. I don't think they've eased the situation. If anything, they've made it worse. They've given a million and a half pounds to charity. So obviously their conscience has been pricked. Why not the whole amount of money? Uh, The e-cigarette puffers. They reckon back on cigarettes after six months... Interesting. Oh, the Keith Lemon sketch show has been recommissioned. That's bad news for television everywhere. Taylor Swift gets eight Billboard Awards and uh, hundreds getting this payoff from the BBC. 47 grand, only to be rehired. It's a joke, isn't it? And John Burko returns as the Speaker of the House of Commons. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Four minutes, no, coming up five minutes past six. Tuesday morning, the 19th of May. Good news is it's the bank holiday weekend. Woo-wee! Which means bad weather. I'm hoping not. Although today, not particularly good in northern England and north Wales. The risk of hail and thunder today. I couldn't believe it either. Sunny spells developing, but they say there will be showers breaking out frequently. Heavy and thundery downpours. Oh, I'm never going to get this stuff planted, am I? I can just see it's going to be a total disaster. There's me with all the earth and everything already and nothing to, nothing to do with it. Prince again in the papers. They're really doing a good job of pushing him just about into everything. And the e-cigarettes, the puffers, they say, go back on the cigarettes after six months that money for Thomas Cook, they've decided bowing to pressure, I suppose, from the the media and the public that they'll give a million and a half pounds to charity. They're not giving it to the parents, but there again, I never thought they should give it to the parents. No, I think that would just be an insult to give it to the parents now. I don't think the parents are expecting to be given money. What they wanted was a proper apology. They just wanted to be treated better. They wanted to be treated with some sort of respect for somebody who's just lost two children. It's not like they've sort of wandered into another hotel. They travel back on a plane with their children in the hold in coffins. I mean, that's how bad it was. And they should have been treated better by Thomas Cook. That was a huge failing on that company's 
parts. They should have been there for them. They should have had reps out there looking after them and making sure they should have chartered a private jet to get them back. This resultant publicity, and I appreciate this story is some eight or nine years old, has given them the worst publicity that they've had in their entire history. It could not be worse. And so yesterday they made the decision that they're going to give a million and a half pounds to charity. But it's a little bit too late. It's a little bit too late to try and save anything because people were calling for them to do this ages and ages ago. And that's and that's why it's just it's just not fair. It's just not fair. They, they treated this family so badly. I mean, they were under pressure, but they should have checked. The hotel said they had checked. Thomas Cook didn't bother checking. But the, uh, the, the grieving family's local MP has revealed the gifts only caused more anguish. She says, once again, the family were not consulted. Now, to be brutally honest with you, and at the risk of upsetting just about everybody, I don't think the family should have been consulted. I think what Thomas Cook should have done as a company is given the whole lot to charity. Not just a piece of it, because it's, it's three and a half million, and they've given one and a half million. I mean, it's almost like saying, oh, here you go, we're not going to give you all of it. Give you, they should have given all of it. It should have been donated. The company, they've given it to UNICEF. A company spokesman confirmed it had chosen UNICEF and said it had not spoken to the family. I mean, are they just pushing this family to one side? I feel immensely sorry for them. You know, it's, it's, just, not, it's just not right, is it? I mean, the boss has said, Thomas Cook has not in any way profited from our claim against the hotel owner. We bought a claim against the hotelier for breaching their contract to provide safe accommodation to our customers and to comply with all applicable laws which was decided in our favour. I apologise to the family for all they've gone through. And that's it. I mean, the firm should, they should be hanging their head in shame. People will not be booking Thomas Cook holidays. If people have got children, I think even James O'Brien tweeted the other day and he said he's just not going to, uh, first time he's ever withdrawn anything from a, a company, said, but he certainly wouldn't be giving any money to Thomas Cook anytime soon. I mean, it is appalling, isn't it? That they, they, this poor family sat on a plane for an hour before all the other passengers on this standard plane were allowed on. So they had to sit there for an hour and then watch as the coffins were brought out onto the tarmac. I mean, God, show some respect, for God's sake. Absolutely appalling, it really is. We go through the uh, the front pages of the uh, the papers today, and we take all your texts and emails, 84850, uk. Apparently, you can put beetroot and carrot juice together. Beetroot juice by itself, though, is very good. Does that mean that beetroot... It's very, I mean, I'm, I do like beetroot. I'm, I'm quite a big fan of beetroot. I don't have any problem with it at all. Somebody said you should fly to Bergen in Norway, rent a fjord focus and drive to the fjords. <laughs> they look beautiful. They, they, they absolutely look beautiful. It's the kind of thing that I'd, I'd be more than happy to do. I'm quite into, you know, as, as you sort of move into uh, sort of slightly later in life, you do have places where you think that's not, I'd like to see that. I always see the picture of the Fred Olsen ship. And it's in the middle of these fields. It looks breathtaking. Absolutely breathtaking. So could be one of those uh, place, places to go to. 84850, steve at uh, Maddie says, I'm not a big drinker, but my friend brought me a bottle of Prosecco for my birthday. And I have to say it was rather nice. I think there's an understatement. Very dr- I spoke to a barman the other day and he said it's, it's very, very drinkable. Very drinkable. Could the lack of nurses, says Anne in England, be because of the three-year nursing degrees required at university being the problem? I think it's at the end. I think it's at the end. You know, you work so hard for, for that, and, and then you look at the money that you're going to end up with, and you go, you know, is it worth it? It's a vacation, isn't it, for nurses? And that's why, if they're bringing nurses in from overseas, it's because the money that they can earn here is probably three times as much as they could earn at home. 
Three and a half million, says Caroline. What about the interest over the last nine years? Should that not go to charity? I think the whole... Th- I mean, this is, you know, every day, the publicity for Thomas Cook gets worse and worse and worse. It's certainly not going away. It's certainly not getting any better. So that's why I, I think, you know, terrible. Uh, Jackie says, I saw a baby fox walking down Fleet Street last Friday morning. I see them all over the place. They're, they're, they're terribly brave, really brave. I'm meeting fellow fan Emily for afternoon tea on Saturday. Planning it for ages and it's almost here, says little Julie. Diner in Richmond's not very well at the moment, so we send her our very best uh, wishes. Uh, Steve, says Anne, I'm staggered here you say that Joanna Lumley allows foxes to lie on the settee. They've got such a pungent smell. I can smell them hours after they've walked past the kitchen and their teeth are like needles. Yes, well, in fact, that's what, if you take your dogs out and they're, they're walking in the countryside and your dog starts rolling around, it'll be in fox doos. That's what they like. They, they, they've it's got some irresistible urge to dogs to go and roll themselves around in it. Ghastly. Uh, Nicola in Windsor, down on one knee. Says, uh, I've had those Marks and Spencer's desserts at the weekend. However, blink and you missed eating them. Very delicate. Try getting them home without messing them up. Yes. I don't. Why can't they do proper size portions of things? Make it so much easier. So much easier. Uh, 84850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, Vic in Boreham Wood. Thank you. <laughs> Very much indeed for that. It's always nice to know that you're there. Most, if, in, in spirit. Uh, was it not Scott Mills, says Tony, has been doing the Eurovision scoring for the past five years? I don't know. Is it? He does something, doesn't he do... He, di- he did a bit of the... There are two of them doing it, aren't they? Aren't they doing the commentary or something this year? Or something? I don't know. I know. I, I didn't care, actually. I don't know why we bothered even mentioning it. Oh, you, oh right. <laughs> the weather's not working at the moment. It's all gone wrong today. It's all gone wrong and it's going to rain and it's going to be horrible and you're all going to be miserable because it's going to be thunderstorms and it's going to be... I mean, hail up north. Can you believe that? Front pages of the uh, the papers. Uh, Lisa in Watford, incident, just very quickly and probably final note on it, says Thomas Cook were clearly caught with their metaphorical pants down. They thought that it would never get this amount of publicity. Well, quite clearly. Not after, what is it, nine years? Not after nine years, they didn't think it would do this. I mean, it, I'd love to know what the reaction is, you know, from people within the business, whether or not travel agents. I should have asked my friend John Warrington. He would know that. Uh, whether or not people have said, I don't want to book Thomas Cook. Don't, don't show me one of their brochures. Thank you very much indeed. Because I, I think it can backfire badly. People like to think when they go away on holiday. You don't expect, do you, when you go away on holiday with the children to bring them back in coffins. You just don't. And to have them treated like that and not even to get the apology, even when they got the boss of Thomas Cook and they were trying to extract some sort of apology, they got nothing. Well, you just, I mean, perhaps he, I mean, I don't know whether or not the man's an idiot, whether he thought that it was just going to go away and people weren't going to be questioning because it's Thomas Cook. It's a great big company. It's one of the, you know, the original travel companies. They've got a huge reputation and somebody was very badly advised, very, very badly advised on this one. And, uh, and they've been caught. Will says, many of our best nurses go to work in Australia. Far better money and working conditions. Yes, I mean, they, I mean, over here, I think our nurses are exhausted. I really do. I think they're absolutely shattered. Uh, Earl Grey Tea, says William, uh, was invented to suit the limey water of Northumberland, where the Grey family had their estates. Oh, right. One of them is famous for getting the reform of Parliament in 1832, which got rid of the rotten boroughs. I never even thought about it. I never even thought about it. I just, I, I think it's nice. Uh, Ricky thinks that the family should get all the money. I see, I don't. I don't think the family should get it. I don't think it's about the money. It's about, first of all, 
how badly Thomas Cook behaved over this. I mean, this isn't just children getting ill on holiday. This is two children, tiny children, dying. Dying. I mean, that's, it's, it does not get any worse. And they should have come out and they should have apologised and they should have, as I say, flown the, the family back on a private jet and made sure that everything was all right and they should have, you know, then they should have got the compensation. But then for the, for the company, they get three and a half million pounds compensation. But mind you, the resultant bad publicity, they might need the three and a half million. Then after a bit of pressure from the media and the newspapers and television and all the commentators, they finally grudgingly gave a million and a half pounds to UNICEF. Didn't even consult the family. They might have had a favourite charity. They might have said, listen, you know, the kids were very interested in this. Can we give that money to that or to a local school or do something? You know, UNICEF is a huge organisation, huge. I'd rather it went to some some little people. But they, they didn't even consult the family. They just really couldn't care less at Thomas Cook, could they? So if they couldn't care less, I'm quite sure the British public couldn't care less and they'll go with another travel company. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is uh, the time. I, note, I like Ian Hyland's little cryptic comments. He says that uh, some semi-genuine suggestion for the makers of Channel 5 Kids Show, Zack and Quack. He says, is there any chance that they could team up with a pal called Back and open their own hair removal salon? <laughs> oh, well, it is this time of the morning. It is this time of the morning. Um... Sad news reaches me from Australia. Do you remember the um, the crocodile hunter Steve Irwin? Uh, Steve Irwin, as you know, died uh, some years ago. He was he was um, stung by a stingray with its tail numerous times, and the uh, cameraman who was with him at the time, who was filming, had been almost not sworn to secrecy, but they decided that they wouldn't tell people about Steve Irwin's last moments. Well, the cameraman has gone on television and discussed Steve Irwin's last moments. And Steve Irwin's dad says, he says, I'm sad and angry. He said, we'd all had an agreement that we weren't going to talk about this, that it wasn't right. So I'm not going to repeat the story to you now. I'm just telling you that the family are not very happy about it. It was something that was private and they'd agreed that nobody would talk about it because it was, it was special to the memory of Steve Irwin. And now this cameraman's gone on television and uh, and has talked about it, which is which is terrible, you know. It's I mean I just I don't even want to read it because it's just not very pleasant. And you think some things are private, and there are some things which you don't talk about. And this is the one thing that you don't talk about because there are people alive who miss Steve Irwin. We weren't expecting it. I thought he was mad as a fruitcake, to be honest with you. The things he did with crocodiles and these animals. I mean, he nearly lost his life on numerous occasions. But I remember him coming over here, I think, to do the television awards. They brought him on. He just seemed to live in a pair of shorts, like most Australians. Stereotypical, I think, that. Stereotypical. And they've all got hats with corks around the outside. They certainly have on America's Got Talent. Australia's Got Talent, which is very good. Uh, Front pages of the papers we will uh, do now as well. I must tell you, though, very quickly, that the 2014 Harmonica Blues Award winner, Paul Lamb, is going to be playing uh, this Thursday. This Thursday. I think in uh, in Twickenham at the Eel Pie Club. They've got a website eelpieclub.com. It's fairly straightforward, isn't it? Nothing too complicated for us. eelpieclub.com is the thing that uh, that gets you there, and then you can find it. They have all sorts of things going on. Seriously, all sorts of very, very exciting things. And uh, I have a feeling, says Stuart, that Lady Braybourne is a member of the Mountbatten family. I think you are correct. I think you are correct. Oh, by the way, I must uh, correct something I said earlier on. Uh, only because I've only just discovered... Do you remember when I said that Thomas Cook had given this million and a half pounds to UNICEF? And I said, you know, why not consult the family? They must have their own charity. And they have. 
not their own charity, but it's a charity that they support, and the money could have gone to that. Why did they not ask? Because this isn't about Thomas Cook. This is about this family who lost two children because Thomas Cook didn't check what the hotel had told them. They just took their word for it. Yes, we've actually checked, and there is no carbon monoxide. No, there wasn't. It hadn't been checked properly, and there was carbon monoxide, and two people, and possibly four, could have died. Two definitely died, the children, uh, because they were probably younger and weren't as resilient to it. And uh, two other people, the adults, were the ones who did survive, but it was a bit touch-and-go with them. So this isn't about Thomas Cook. This is about them getting £3.5 million and the family getting £700,000 for the death of two children, the way that they were treated by Thomas Cook, and the fact that, you know, Thomas Cook, after pressure now from the media, have given to UNICEF, when, in fact, they could have contacted the family and said, listen, we're very sorry, here is a public apology, we hang our heads in shame, and we tell you that from the bottom of our hearts... We sympathise exactly and we would like to make a donation of a million pounds or two million pounds to the charity of your choice. That would go some way to maybe preserving the memory of these children. Perhaps, you know, have, you know, a, a building built which has got their names over it. That would be that would be nice. But have they done that? No, they haven't. Again, they've lurched from one disaster to another. Somebody at uh, Thomas Cook is obviously the stupidest person in the world and can't even understand what this family must be going through. Breaks your heart, doesn't it? Well, let's see whether it backfires even worse on Thomas Cook. Daily Mirror on the front pages. The killer nurse tricked way into job. This is uh, Victorino Chua. Got into nursing using bogus qualifications. Obviously, nobody checks, do they? Nobody checks. That's also the front page story on the Daily Mail today. Say that the blunders. This is a Filipino psychopath. Forged qualifications. Managed to get working within the NHS and poisoned 22 patients. Some of them with insulin. Some of them with insulin. And nobody checked. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, how are foreign nurses recruited and why is nobody checking? Are they just going, they look at a piece of paper and go, oh, yeah, look, you look like you've got qualifications. In the day of everything being forged, nobody said anything. Nobody does anything about it. Free to kill, you know, a number of people and poison 22 people. A psychopath. No qualifications whatsoever. Interesting to note that his family never turned up for his trial. That kind of says it all, doesn't it? Uh, the son, Colleen Rooney, she's bought a caravan. <laughs> Big surprise there, eh? This is on a site in, uh, in Prestatin in North Wales. She was there chatting to people. She's found people at her own level now. She suddenly realised that when they go on these posh holidays, nobody wants to talk to them. They're chav. Who wants to talk to them? So they bought a caravan. 25,000. They've apparently had a whip round amongst the family. Yeah, right. He earns, what is it, 300,000 quid a week? And they had a whip round for a 25 grand caravan. Do me a favour, we're not that stupid. But anyway, hope you'll be happy there, Colleen. Busy life, isn't it, really? Simon Cowell in the Express today, talking about Susan Boyle, who taught him a lesson and changed his life. Um, and the expats fiddling £81 million in benefits every year. I've known about this for ages and ages and ages. It is... Something that goes on all the time. It's called abroad fraud. And it goes on. I mean, people as far away as Afghanistan and Zambia making bogus claims. 6,000 fraudsters. And sometimes we, we, we just send the money over there. They say Spain is the number one for expats ripping off the system. 548 cases. Pakistan, Turkey, Cyprus, France, Portugal, Poland, uh, Thailand, India, Bangladesh. Just about everywhere. It's just ridiculous. I mean, some people lied. I mean, there's one of them here. Uh, Karen Trant. Uh, she said she was agoraphobic and scared to leave home. In fact, she spent most of her time in the Indian party resort of Goa. 
She managed to get 134,000. 134,000. Small wonder we're in the state we are. It's up to the Prime Minister now to clamp down on these sort of people, start dragging them back, screaming, build new prisons if necessary. Miliband condemn leadership stitch-up is the independent. The Daily Telegraph, the Queen's delight at Chelsea. Her Majesty out there enjoying Chelsea, which she does every year. They invite them round there. They don't have to wander around with the cords of other people and buy overpriced strawberries. You watch, I guarantee you, within about a few days, there'll be stories in the papers of the price of strawberries and cream. At, uh, at Chelsea. The scandal of the foreign nurses with bogus papers. I reckon he's the tip of the iceberg. I reckon there are loads of people. All these people are now saying, I tell you what, let's start checking. You watch, you'll be seeing a mass exodus of people back to other countries. I can't think of anything else. The Russian supergrass, front of the Times, um, who was poisoned at the Surrey home. And uh, Prince Harry and the Queen. You're going to be so bored with Prince Harry. Who was out watching synchronised swimmers. Good God, at the Chelsea Flower Show. And Thomas Cook faces a boycott over the Corfu deaths. Well, I think it started. I think they've done themselves no favours at all, and I predict it will backfire very, very badly. Have yourself a great day. There's no free podcast for today. It's due to uh, illness, but we'll have a special one for you tomorrow. But you can download the rest of the show a little bit later on. At uh, 7 o'clock this morning, it's Nick Ferrari. But coming up next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC. 